Hello, good evening, uh, good morning, good whatever time of day you're in. It is uh, it is me, Chris Simatronics, and it is commentary time for Do You Expect to Talk? Christmas edition. Yes, it's our third festive commentary. And uh, I bet I'd best introduce everyone. Uh, it's Mr. David Bond. Good evening, folks. And the lovely Miss Rebecca Andrews. Hello. <laughs> and uh, so whose pick is it today? I forget now. Is it was it yours or was it Dave's? Was it yours back? I think it was actually mine. This is because yeah, we sort of we go we've gone backwards with these. I went first this time, so, uh, so it's my choice next year. So Becca went last of the three of us. So and, third year, Becca's choice. And as it's Becca's choice, so we've gone for a double dose of dick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> um, yeah, so. Uh, for for anyone who's who's in, who's in keeping with it, our... is our, it, it is our second dick in a row. <laughs> in fact, it was only day, it was only days ago we got we got his most gigantic one. His that super was a big dick. Well, that was a massive dick. <laughs> um, yeah, because we did uh, ten years later, a bit less impressive. Um, so much it needed two pairs of underpants. Uh, it's it's. Uh, for for you know just to clear things up, we're talking about uh, Richard Richard Donner, a dick to his friends. Um, <laughs> uh, the one and only Richard Donner. He is he's actually called he actually you know he's called Dick and what's his friends, isn't he? Even you know he gave us his old my friends called yeah, me yeah, Dick. Yeah, it's, uh, Dick's my friend or Dick Donner called yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> all that sort of thing. Uh, across, the, across the pond here in England, a lot of us are going. That sounds rude. <laughs> yeah, even yeah. us. Uh, so um, I think that's why we lost our empire. To be honest, we were too busy laughing at penises. Oh, <laughs> what a shame! <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, um, yeah. So we started off with uh, well, previously we, we just not long done Superman the movie, that, um, and uh, and now it's your choice, and we're doing Scrooged. Yes, I figure it's Christmas. Um, it's a nice and short film, about an hour, an hour and a half, a little over an hour and a half. A um, I thought rather than inflict the classic, you know, Scrooged um, type tale, like. Um, yeah, the, the, the typical, you know, typical Dickens story. As amazing as that is, um, Alistair Sim will forever go down as, as a genius. But I thought, no, we'll go for a slightly more updated <laughs> 1980s version with uh, with Bill Murray. That actually ranked Radio Times recently here in the UK. Brought out a list of um, how Britain rates the Christmas movies. Was Die and, Hard on that list? Yeah, Die Hard was probably number one. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's number one. <laughs> Oh, really? Not the film, the <sighs> fucking conversations around it. Go on. I know. Although, I mean, I, feel, I, mean, I, I must look, bit... I must admit, I am obviously, you know, I'm a big Die Hard fan. I watch it every Christmas. Uh, for me, it's a Christmas film, but, you know, I'm not, like, anal about it. Oh, right. But I'm kind of, like... I, I, I'm normally caught between the two. It's, like, hard or dick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or, or anal? <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, oh god. Um, Here we go. But I don't know. I just just like there's there's some popularity of just like I don't know. I get. I think it's just kind of lost that cool edge for me. It's like no, get get off my obscure. Well, no, I don't, don't, don't think it's that obscure. But you know what I mean. It's it's like the the alternative Christmas choice. And now yeah. it's like oh, it's Mr. Potty. Oh, it's the the big pop of the one now it's like oh fucking yeah. hell well, do, you want, you know. do you want to hear the do you want to hear the full list the top 20 well i don't know about the top 20 but give us some of the highlights <laughs> well it's uh, a wonderful life at number one it's number one with 9.56 percent of the votes correctly so. oh, oh, 
I'll give you the top, so. the top five. So number two is Elf with 8.9 of the votes. I'm pretty comfortable with that. I like Elf. Mm, I would I, probably rank it I, lower. I, I think it's really mediocre, but... Yeah, I, I've gone off Will Ferrell a little bit, unfortunately. Um, maybe when we go see the new Holmes and Watson movie, it'll get me back I, on track. I don't really... Um, I don't need to... The only thing I will say is Christmas films, traditionally, you can watch them again and again and again. I don't really want to watch Elf again now. But I enjoyed seen it. it. But anyway, carry on. Um, yeah, number three is The Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, okay. Number four is Love Actually. I think Actually. that's wildly overrated. Love Actually is fucking shit. But Which we is had our Christmas commentary a while ago. Well, we had fun with it. And then number five. It, it, it's shit but good. It's one of those things like... So it's, 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 it's comforting. Shit. It's comforting. It's comfort movie, isn't it? So. Yeah. And then number five, it's Home Alone. Um, wildly overrated. Number six is Die Hard, so not in the top five, Kel Surprise. Oh, well, that's fine. Um, so, yeah, number seven is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Number eight is Polar Express. Not even the best vacation film. No. Anyway, completing the list, number nine is White Christmas, which is the probably classic movie. Yeah. Number ten is Scrooge, the original Scrooge from, 19, from 1951, with 3.33% of the votes. I don't like that version of it. I mean, I, I always oh. like the story, uh, but every I mean, you started off with Alistair Sim and all the rest of it, and how great he was. I, I am absolutely in the George C. Scott camp. Sure. The 1984 version. Well, number 11, you've got a Christmas Carol. Was that the one that's always on ITV? I have no idea. ITV is a channel for the unwashed and ill educated, so I have no (laughs) idea. Students. Um. Come so me. I have no idea. I don't really watch TV, but um, I know that's the version with uh, uh, Edward Woodward as the ghost of Christmas present. Yeah, uh, I, think so. I it's actually made for TV, so it's shot four three four by three. It's Academy ratio, but I just think George C. Scott's great, and I think what we're getting to is something that we'll actually talk about a little bit tonight. Really, that the problem with Scrooge in the most traditional tellings of the tale is he doesn't just reform or improve, he becomes absolutely unrecognisable. Yeah, it's a complete change of heart, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it's like Alistair Sim, that there's no DNA shared between the nasty version of his character and the nice version. It isn't, there's no subtlety there. He suddenly becomes a fucking gibbering idiot near the end oh, of the film. George C. Scott essays it a little bit better, and Bill Murray is even better, because Bill Murray has a sort of hint of the slight nasty in him anyway, so he can spin on a dime a lot better. But, um, yeah, I'm, I, I must say, despite it being the classic interpretation, I don't particularly like Alistair Sims' version of the character that much. Um, and I watched a Muppet Christmas Carol the other day, and it's not as good as I remember. Oh, I mean, it's I just got Muppets was, in. Everyone likes I Muppets. I didn't say That's... it was bad. I said it's not as good as I remember. <laughs> No, I think you have to be in a certain frame of mind. The songs aren't that great and things like that. But again, uh, that's one of those films where there are several different versions floating around. Yeah. Think, yeah, there are there are a few different versions, um, uncut, various things uh, like that. What else is on? White Christmas I only saw once. I thought it was all right. What else is on the list? That's a classic, White Christmas. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of these films are kind of from... Uh, <laughs> but White has... Christmas is the one with Frank Sinatra in it, isn't it? Yes, it's the kind of remake of Holiday Inn. Of Holiday Inn. Inn. Yeah, but I forget who's in what version and when they were made. Yeah, that's, the, yeah, that's not the version. White Christmas is Rosemary Clooney, Bing Crosby, uh, Frank Sinatra, isn't it? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I, I kind of think it might be the superior version, but I mean, both them and Holiday Inn are classic films and you can watch them any season. Um, a lot of these films on this list are either from sort of the, like, 
there's a, a handful that are from sort of the like 50s, like what I termed classic movies, and a lot of them are kind of from like 80s, late 80s, 90s. You know, quite, yeah, quite people modern, say actually. what they know, and most people don't watch that many films. Well, exactly. This is on. it. This is the it's problem. like Christmas Vacation. I remember when it came out. It was like, Christ, that's nowhere near as good as the two vac- first vacation films. No, but then there but are a lot of films. But that as aren't time's on this gone well. by, suddenly it's become this big thing, Christmas Vacation. But when it was when it was the third film to come out in the Vacation series, it was mm. the third best as well. Yeah. Um, I'd say there are a lot of films that aren't on this list as well. I'm quite surprised. Well. Kind of am, and I'm not surprised to see Lampoon there. Um, it's, it's a classic series and, and always hilarious. But then you've got films like A Christmas Story that aren't on there. Um, yeah, and... but it's a British list. Christmas Story. Well, exactly. Not I was, was going to say, no, it's about a child I who only wants watched to be gun for Christmas. In, I was in a distance relationship with an American and we kind of watched it together one time. It's the only time I've only seen A Christmas Story once. Yeah, likewise. When I, was in, when I was in America, I gauged to the American man. That's why I saw I, it. I, I can't say I'm taken with it tomorrow. I don't see the big appeal, but no, that's me. No, I think the, the point in it is quite cute, though. But again, I, th- I think it's, I mean, not, you know, it's not that we, we're obviously huge consumers of American culture, but I think it is something that's specifically American and will we'll fly better across the pond there. Um, something that really upsets me, the snowman is at number 12. Why is it not higher in the top five? Come because on. It's, because it's, it's, it's half an hour long. Because <laughs> it's he half an hour long. It's not even, it shouldn't even be on there. It's not a fucking film. No, it's a short. It's a it's TV short. short. But Raymond Briggs. But David Bowie. And a colourful jumper. But it's boring. Uh... <laughs> yeah. It is quite dated now. Like when they have Some the snowman party in the middle. Some spoiled bastard snowman melts and he cries. Yeah. Oh, it's so sad. Now, the... actually, it's a really atmospheric stuff, but it's a 20, it's a 28-minute thing that appears on Channel 4 or something. It's I not a film. I watch it every year. So, but say, if, if, you know, if, if you're a fan of Raymond Biggs, do go and read the book. It will touch your hearts. Um, and, yeah, I think... I did see when it was on TV, obviously over the Christmas period, um, and yeah, there's a scene. There's a scene where all the I think it was on a few weeks ago. Um, Channel Four scream it. Um, yeah, there's, there's a scene where they go to have a snowman party from various snowmen from around the world, and yeah, it's a bit racially insensitive, shall we say? Um, there's a lot of stereotyping going on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I had too many jokes went through my head then. <laughs> what do you, like? For example, there's one of like a. It's meant to be like a Chinese snowman, and he got like the the straw hats and. Yeah, I was just imagining. I was just imagining which ethnicity he had a massive penis on it or something. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, what but, else but, is on know, the list then? Anything else? So let's have a look. I'm just going to round out the the list. Um, we have ended up doing. Yeah. So yeah, we did the top twenty. Oh. So number thirteen was a miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, the 1994 one, not the not 40s the original. Thirties. Thirties. Yeah, I'll say late thirties. Um, I remember going to see that with my dad. Hand up, please, sir, forgive me. I have not seen either version of Aunt Miracle. Oh, neither have I. Neither have I. No. No, it's, yeah, it's a bit kind of, I remember getting my dad to go and take me to see this. Um, It's very charming. It's very heartwarming. Um, But I think it's all down to really kind of central performances. Have you seen uh, both versions? I've seen the original and this 1994 one. That's what I mean. Um, Have you seen, so which one do you prefer? Uh, the 1994 one, although the 50, the 30s one is is charming. Are they very similar? Mm, I haven't seen it for a while, but I think yeah, there are some there's some dis- um, some differences. But like the 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 story is essentially the same. Um, basically, man believes he is Chris Kringle and fights to prove himself in court. Objection. Um, so yeah, moving on. I'm not out of order. You're out of order. This old hey, that, went right order. Me, that went right through me, Chris. She's quite the actress. You can't handle the truth. With her acting and your singing. <laughs> wow. 
This is why I podcast. Um, okay, do nothing else. Uh, right, so yeah, moving on. Number 14 is Santa Claus the Movie, 1985. That film is shit. That the Tim Allen one? Oh, no. sorry. No. That's, no, that's no. the Santa Claus. That's, no, Santa I'm, Claus yes. the Movie has Dudley Moore Dudley as an Moore, elf that's the one. Dudley and Moore. David whatever he's called, who was also in... Was he in Cocoon? I forget now. Oh, that guy. The actor. Yeah, the, it's not a very good film. It really isn't. I, I think it may. I, I think. It, it. I think. I think it may be canon films as well. Ah. Yeah. Uh, number fifteen. It's the holiday. I don't think it's, it's a Jude Law. I remember Kermode having such a um, rant about Cameron Diaz film. I suspect, yeah. which I've not seen. It is. It's Cameron Diaz. Well, yeah, me being, you know, the masculine hard one of the three of us. <laughs> so I, I've, I've seen you. it. I've seen it. Um, I, but I, don't, I don't remember much about it other than it was really cheesy. Okay. That perfect Christmas film in its way. Was it kind of based okay. on like Love Actually, but tone wise, yeah. Tone wise, it was. Yeah. So yeah, number sixteen, we have Home Alone Two: Lost in New York. So that's set at Christmas as well, is it? I've never seen any of the sequels. I think I probably saw the sequel years ago, and I've seen the oh. Is there a third one? I might have seen that lurking around somewhere. Donald uh, Trump has already caused, called this this list fake news because he's in it, so it should be at number one. <laughs> <laughs> Trump, he's just, not working hard enough. Just to uh, just to correct, it wasn't Canon Films that was TriStar Pictures for Santa Claus the movie. Uh, Fair enough. Fun fact. But it was produced by uh, Perry Sp- um, Spangler and uh, Isla Skinner. Skillen. So it was like that might, by... be, that might be where I got it from. That there ah. might be soul kind of because there was yeah. parts of it that did actually look like the reminiscent of Superman the movie. Like you know, with the, it did look you know, um, no, Lapland did look lot like uh, Krypton and that, Fortress. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I I um I saw it in the cinema. I've never seen it since. Remembered not thinking it was that good, and its reputation isn't good. But that's not to say I wouldn't watch it now and go, oh, what a perfect Christmas film. Mm. I don't know. Right, so, yes. Number 17 is The Grinch. Jim Carrey Jim version. Carey. Fucking dreadful. <laughs> it's, my, it's my girlfriend's favourite Christmas film and I watched it um, oh, like, the, really the, other, the other week. And it, she, I mean, she loves it. She's just like, it's just, it's just great. Well, and, and all, I, just... all I can hope is that she's... <laughs> I, I can only hope she's dynamite in bed. <laughs> because you you are owed serious payback for that. Yeah, he's trying to vent it somehow. I, I don't like Jim Carrey anyway, but I mean, sorry, I'll I'll, 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 I'll get her back by making a watch love. Actually, it's fine. She absolutely detests those type of things. She hates Colin Firth. Yeah, you get to listen to our commentary hates, as well. She hates Colin Firth and and you, Grant. So she will just not enjoy. Don't it. take it too far. D- don't have a wank when like Laura Linney gets her tits out or something. <laughs> don't 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 literally <laughs> rub it in too much. What's wrong with Colin Firth? Then? Why doesn't she like Colin? Uh, just, I think she just likes that kind of stuff. Uh, well, I tell you what. Before he before he became a romantic hero, he did look quite a lot of dark dark films. So I would urge you to check those out. Because be- yeah, before he was Mr. Darcy. Dark films. No, no, seriously, seriously. Um, there's a really I mean, good. I, I, film. I don't have a foot against him. I'm like... <laughs> no, there's a really good film he did. They like call me 2000s. Mr. Tips. Starring... <laughs> Starring a white man. He was Shaft, wasn't he, as well? You. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, no. There's in the early 2000s, he did a really good film called, um, called Trauma, which um, I urge you to check out. So that kind of goes good back to his roots. Um, and he's done a, a, lots of TV stuff as well before becoming Mr. Darcy. Um, but yeah, I urge you to check out the early filmography of uh, of Colin Firth because he is very good. Yeah, she ain't going to though. So no, I know she's no. not going to. <laughs> <laughs> really. 
But no, I don't, I, to be fair, that kind of schmaltzy stuff is not usually what I go in for. So I can I can agree with your girlfriend there. Uh, she she also gets this like you know after um, the controversial Mary Poppins by opinion um, by Charlie, she hates Mary Poppins as well. So. Yes. <laughs> I have to say. I have to say, uh, it'll uh, by the time this episode comes out, because we're going to put it out fairly soon, it'll probably come out the day I go to see Mary Poppins Returns. Mm-hmm. And I watched Mary Poppins last week, last oh. weekend, just to, just to sort of remind myself, because I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Oh. And I must say, the film felt absurdly long. It is very long. Uh, really, it is quite a long I one. I really struggled with it. But, I mean, it is it is objectively fairly long because it's like two hours 20 or something. But I, I thought it was long. And when I looked at the clock, it was it was like an hour and a half in. It was like, that. this hasn't been that long. <laughs> no, it just feels um, longer. And it's not that innovatively shot in its way either. I didn't. I kind of didn't well, not, like not it. even the blend of live action and hand-drawn animation? Oh, of course that was, yeah. Thank you, Dave. But general, general, general. Story. No, generally. Well, for 1964? Yeah. I think, so musical finger. I, so. I, I think by looking at the new one as well, it just looks like uh, they've just remade it. Just like, going, oh, all right, well, yeah. it's, well it's the kids' this time, hot, and we're just going to do the same thing again. My hot take on it is uh, I like Goldfinger. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing I'm seeing Poppins tomorrow as well, so I Poppins, I really, Poppins, Mrs. Poppins. Oi, Poppins! Oi, Poppins! You gonna pop into Poppins? <laughs> Where were you? I was out with Poppins. <laughs> well, when you have a jolly holiday with Mary, you know. Alright. Um, no, I'm going to see it tomorrow as well, and I just hope that his Cockney accent is better than Dick Van Dyke, who is still dancing <laughs> into his nineties. Dick Van Dyke is in this film. He is, yeah. So I hear. In the original film, you had the sort of president of the bank and his son. Mm. They were sort of junior and senior, whatever their yeah. name was. Yeah. The guy who played junior is now the was, senior. He's died like I don't know four years ago or something. So Dick oh. Van Dyke is stepping in to play that role. He's playing ah. his own son. Oh, <laughs> fun fact, folks. Yeah. yeah, no, I saw he was still in it and I saw that he was still um, dancing. Going, I thought, oh, good on you. You know, when you're in your mid nineties, crack on. So rounding out the list. Rounding out the list. Oh my god. Um, so yeah, number eighteen is Scrooge. And number 19 is Nativity, the 2009 film. No, and the number 20... I've never seen any of them, and the new one looks shit. I don't know if they look the guy terrible, is... but I, I've spoken to a lot of people who have young kids. Yeah. So they obviously see things through their kids' eyes. Yeah. And, and they say, because obviously they watch a lot of kids' films, and I mean, Look not crap. kids' films like we enjoy, where they're kind of layered, but we like them too. I mean, like, properly kids' films. Yeah. And parents always tell me the Nativity films are really terrific. But oh. that's that's based on who they're aimed at. It's mm. not that you know we'd necessarily enjoy them. Sorry, yeah. and the last one. That's the last one, and the last one is drumroll. Really randomly, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which I wouldn't have pegged as a Christmas film. Came out in December though. Didn't yeah, it? I think I think that's probably has something to do with it. And oh, then the films is actually set at Christmas because they have a Yule ball. Well, so. well, by that reasoning, uh, Rogue One is a Christmas film. Jack Reacher Christmas <laughs> film. <laughs> yeah, really randomly. But I would, yeah, I would like to get to the Harry Potter films at some point. But... Yeah, you will do. I'm sure Although I'm less keen than I was because they would naturally include Fantastic Beasts, and the new Fantastic Beasts films was really, really boring. I missed it. Yeah, I think I might have uh, waited that one on the home release. Really. really, I thought it was terrible, actually. Really? Uh, yeah, really bad. I didn't love the first one. The first one wasn't great either. I enjoyed the first one. But I thought, I thought I the effects it, were better. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it just fine. The second one was just interminably dull, sure. and then a bit like the end of um, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. The last 30 seconds makes you think, oh, the next one might be quite good. 
but like it it was really really boring did you see it chris yeah yeah. Oh. I don't need to. I don't need to ask anymore. There, <laughs> Chris is like regrettably. Yeah, I did. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think I think I, I, I said too much. I don't think Eddie Redmayne. I don't mean to knock him as an actor. I think it's more to do with his character. Is just not a leading character. It's just like that is it, not a leading character. Yeah, for starters, and, and everyone in it's really really broad as well. Like that <laughs> that fat American sidekick yeah. of him is that that's like a that's like a grown up. Bugsy Malone character, mm. but he thinks so. he, he's he's like the, one of the best things in it, and that's he is, it. But it's it's a lot broader than Harry Potter yeah. was. Um, so... I was never the hugest Harry Potter fan, but I, I I understand them for what they are. I think I respect them for what they are, and they have a unique feel to them. I, they, they, I I think I could revisit that series with some degree of enjoyment. I do remember as we were getting. T- towards the Deathly Hallows, like films five and six, they did start to feel like they were marking time. Mm. But the series sort of... When, when they settled in, on in, the director and just like, right, okay. Then, well, it's still David Yates mm. knocking all of these out now. But I liked the last two. I, I liked like three... I liked three and four in the last two, as I recall. Mm. Um, and then Fantastic Beasts came out and I thought, yeah, I'll go and see it. And it looked great. You know, it has like... A lovely period feel to it and that but this film just felt so long and it was so to what end it was just a series of so what happenings really it's kind of epic um, battles between good and evil and actually it would have been better had it stayed as colin firth uh not colin firth colin farrell i was gonna say colin yeah. firth oh you um, mean what the Depp character yeah that isn't anything about the storm around johnny depp's got nothing to do with that but he's, he's an actor who spectacularly stopped trying a very long time ago mm. I don't think he was too. To be fair, I don't think he was too bad. He wasn't given much to do this time around. But I think, it, I think in terms of performance, he, he wasn't like oh, you know, it, it did feel like oh, well, he actually suits that role. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. It did feel like well, what was the point when he changed from Colin Firth to Johnny Depp? It just felt like well, yeah, decent the factor there. Why don't you just keep it? Why don't you just keep it? But I, I think the I think the, the 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 list there tells you a lot though. I think Christmas films. We were talking about this when it does come to Die Hard. I would happily never see another article on Die Hard, is it a Christmas film? Because it's lazy, it's boring, it, it's people retreading the same shit every fucking yeah. year. A Christmas film to me is a film you personally associate with Christmas. So for me, Honor Majesty's Secret Service is a Christmas film because I yeah, watch it on Christmas Eve before I watch It's a Wonderful Life. But I would not expect a Bond film and one of the less well-known to the general public Bond films to be a Christmas film to most people. Die Hard isn't a Christmas film to me. But that's not saying it isn't a Christmas film. It's saying it's not a Christmas film to me. Well, I, I agree with it's you, Dave. When you posted recently, if you, yeah, if you think it is, no, if it's a Christmas it's, film, it's it not. Is. I don't associate enough. it with Christmas and I don't... There are certain films... Majesties would fall into this category as well where I'd be as happy watching it in the summer whereas I wouldn't sit there in June and watch Scrooge or It's a Wonderful Life. No, it happens so, to be a film that's set um, at Christmas, and if, if Christmas is like central to the plot, yeah. then you know, then fair enough. Um, uh, some of the, I mean, some of some of the sort of, uh, there's been a few kind of more under uh, most Christmas films, like most romantic comedies or something, aren't that good. You know, stuff like Four Christmases and Fred Claus and that were really, really bad. But you know, Arthur Christmas only came out five years ago. That was really good. Yeah, that was on TV recently. I missed that one. Um, I kind of want to check it out because I'm a bit of a James McAvoy fan. Really but good. yeah, I missed it. I might, I must check it out. And also, Ardman animation as well. It's, um, it's outstanding. 
I quite enjoyed Flushed Away. That was a good film of theirs. I haven't so seen I'm, that. I don't I'm know that I want to watch that. My hygiene detector, like, what's that about? Oh. <laughs> funny about, like, shits and stuff like that. Yeah, so maybe not then. Sorry about that. Um, uh, but got yeah, Hugh Jackman it was, in it. It was kind of around the same time. Uh, Arthur Christmas was similar. I think it was within a couple of years of them making Pirates as well, which was quite funny. But Yeah. That was really good fun, actually. That was a good film. I remember going so, to see that. So getting us back to the subject, because we've got a film to watch, uh, Scrooge Tonight, that's only about 18th on the list, did you say? 19th? Yes. Fairly low down. Number 18. That surprises me a little bit, because it's a yeah, lot I thought it'd be higher. Sort of cult favourite. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to say, yeah, I think it, it's always one of the films I watch at Christmas, uh, Scrooge. That's, what, that's why I'm, I'm sort of surprised to see films and... like The Holiday and National Lampoon. Well... You know, I, it's it's something that I don't often see anyway. I mean, I think I'm one of the few. I mean, when I look at movie, tw- um, like movie film Twitter or whatever, I, it's always Muppets Christmas Carol, Muppets Christmas Carol, Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. As, as they've for me, this is like my personal favourite. It's not. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the best because you know I think you you probably go a bit more old school. I expect if you're going to rate them all, mm. um, but um, for me personally, I think this satisfies me it's what the one i prefer to watch and uh yes yeah, so i'm like yeah so th- this is this would be my christmas viewing of the film super. so um yeah, and, I've, and i've seen it many times as well so but then there we are you know all the jokes oh yes so uh so shall we crack on ladies and gentlemen let's do so let's do that yeah sorry wasting an hour of your time <laughs> i don't care <laughs> So, talk about what we like. It's quite a short film, anyway. General so, talk around Christmas. Well, I think, to be fair, as long as it's it's you know, even though it is a Christmas film, that's part of the reason why I picked. It. I thought I was nice and short. We'll get through it. It'll be quick. You picked it. A, you picked it a year ago. You must have been really um, anticipating <laughs> being tired twelve months hence. <laughs> no, it's all good. And plus, Bill Murray, you can't really go wrong. I don't think so. I'd have to think about that. Yes. <laughs> Uh, who doesn't like Bill Murray yeah that's very true listeners if if, if you don't like him write us in send us an email I mean send us five reasons why you don't like Bill Murray I mean on paper you know you wouldn't think you'd like him Bill Murray's one of these weird people that like you know he acts like a dick but he's just such a charm that you like him not even (laughs) sure I'd like him in real life do you know what I mean but yeah yeah, I mean, like you think about Ghostbusters, and you know, his his whole character is it's just a massive creep and a dick. But you kind of go, yeah, but he's kind of got away by me. You just kind of like, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, so on three, we'll we'll start watching the film. So on three, uh, so we're watching on all different formats here. So this should be interesting. Uh, Chris has got VHS. <laughs> <laughs> Chris has got it on vinyl. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm cranking up the projector. So, uh, one, one, one. Up. <laughs> Two. He's got a local interpretive trap dance troupe to come in and be an active for him. See, the medium of dance. I've, I've got an organ player with some cue cards. So, uh... <laughs> I'm so pleased that for once I'm not the Luddite. So, um... Yeah, but it will only be one specker. <laughs> Enjoy your moment in the sun. Uh, yes. <laughs> Coming uh, soon, more DVD antics from me. So on one, two, and three. Uh, we're playing. I think it takes a while because I haven't pressed play. <laughs> Alright. Oh. Damn, that logo's coming up for me, so the stars are just... When I queued it up okay. earlier, yeah. there was a um, rating saying, this film is rated PG-13. And that didn't appear the second time round. Okay. 
Paramount logos, Paramount logo. We're just about to go through the logo, sort of coming to America style. That's a good film. <laughs> we did do a commentary on it. I know we did. <laughs> we, we cured mental health distress with it. We did. That was very important. So that means yeah, everybody so having that. a wonderful Christmas. Um, I'm, you know, Next up, cancer. The, I kind of want to see this. You know, the day the reindeer died. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it, it looks absolutely batshit and probably be rubbish, but I kind of want to see like a. a it's got Lee Majors in it. Yeah. How would it be rubbish. I, I want to. I want to see. It would be amazing. I, I want to see an Uzi wielding Santa. That would be move, cute. move, move. Watch him all there. Oh, you naughty elf. He's like shaking I just his finger. Love the fact that Lee Majors in it is called Lee, Lee Majors. Lee Majors. <laughs> <laughs> it was TV's Lee Majors. When I was a kid and I used to see drawings of Captain America, I always thought the drawings I was seeing, whatever incarnation that was, oh, facially and build-wise, looked like a young Lee Majors. Oh. So I always thought, whenever I thought of Captain America growing up, I always pictured him being played by Lee Majors. And obviously, Chris Evans looks nothing like me. Re- re- no. making my point completely moot and pointless. <laughs> the six million dollar man. <laughs> it's me, major. It's, it's Enrico Palazzo. Because, <laughs> that's, no, 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 no. that's what he does in real life. He, <laughs> he goes good, and, good old uh, majors. You've been a real good boy this year. Things he didn't really do anything of uh, any other action stuff other than. Million Dollar Man, did he? When I was a kid, he was in the Fall Guy. Oh shit! Yeah. He, played, he played a stunt man, and that seemed to be on for years. It used to come on tea time on a Sunday, if I recall correctly. And I never really liked it. It was just something that was on, and it was like, oh, the Fall hey, Guy. It's, right. it's the bad guy from uh, Naked Gun Two. Oh yeah, it is. It's Enrique. <laughs> I think he was also in The Simpsons. Everybody's been in The Simpsons, though. At, the, at this rate, they will be knocking on our door. Come on, we've literally used everyone else in the Go world. Go on, Dave, get on it. <laughs> this one has quite a good Dad cast. loves Beaver. <laughs> Is that chasing Beaver? Oh my god, that's really bad. You'll love it. Ah, uh, you're a few seconds ahead of me. He's out chasing Beaver. Father yeah. loves Beaver. Oh. Come up as a sign on one. Could he be oh. look any more sinister? He's kind of rocking he's like black a tie. he's kind of rocking like a weird mullet type thing. Yeah, yeah but creepy. it suited him yeah. bizarrely. Basically, a receding mullet with a widow's peak. It's really yeah. Bobcat Goldthwait too. Yeah, and Alfred Woodard. Yeah, legendary. Not sure I'd go that far, but <laughs> I think she's a legend. Is she All right? Songs so. will be sung about the great Alfred Woodard. She, 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 really she, she was in that, you know, half decent uh, Star Trek <laughs> yeah. film. I mean, obviously, she's no Ernest Lou, but. <laughs> Scrooge. Buddy Hackett, oh my god. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm having trouble thinking. If you if you kind of did this today, like, mm. like a. Like a, a, a um, like a modern, like you know, up to date uh, adaptation of it. This is still kind of like dead on almost. It's like it's not 
Nothing, I don't think you'd make it change. much different. No. I mean, you know, the graphical work and styles yeah. and that would change a little bit, but... The themes and things yeah, like that. I mean, and saying. the hair, I mean, it's dated. I mean, it looks like an 80s film. It, it, it is does. very 80s. It, it, you know, I was thinking earlier when I was having a little look at it, is this the most 80s film ever? And then I realised, no, the secret of my success is still the most 80s <laughs> film ever. <laughs> not, even is, like, not even so, like the Brat Pack movies. I yeah, think the Breakfast Club is pretty 80s. I think it's partly with the secret of my success. It's the themes because it is all about fucking money. So Working Girl would fall Wall Street. into that as well. Wall Street would as well. But it's mainly the blaring music at the start of the film. All 80s oh. films had a montage of like fucking Amer- an American city with screaming saxophone or fucking <laughs> something over the top of it. Yeah. Or some cheesy pop. Song. Wall Street's a great film. He's he, he's he's an odd person to have in a film, though, isn't he? Who Bob Cat? Yeah. Um, he doesn't really fit into many any real traditional roles, does he? No, no, he's pretty much a wild card. Yeah, that, that, you yeah. know, it, you've either written it for him, or rewritten it to him, or he's not in it. It's as simple as that. But yeah. I, I think he he he's, he kind of works here because he kind of has to start out like a little bit of a. He does sell the I'm a I'm just a, a naive guy, and when he has to go to absolute full post postal almost, he, he, yeah, he, he kind of sells it. Yeah, I just still with these kind of like the foil, isn't he? And then afterwards, he's like, right, that's it, sucker. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's just lovably arsehole-ishness. Yeah, it was. He hadn't made any film since the year of Ghostbusters. He may have made one film after Ghostbusters, but. He hadn't done anything for about four years. He was he felt he was a bit rusty, and I think he was a bit nervous about taking this on by himself when the Ghostbusters had been an ensemble. And apparently, this was quite a, kind of a difficult shoot. Him and Donna didn't get on fantastically well. No. Um, he, I think he had a more miserable top time than Donna. But then that kind of makes sense to me because directors are used to dealing with prima donna actors a lot more than the yeah. other way around. But um, now, more than ever, that was the tagline for the studio in the player, which was also a bit of a morality play. Oh, I've not seen that in a long time. Is that the um... Tim Robbins? Robert. Tim Robbins, yeah. Where is he now? Tim Robbins. I don't know what he's up to now. He's in his sixties now. He'll still be working, but I don't know what he did last. No, probably Obviously, protesting Bob... something. Robert Arnold died yes. twelve, thirteen years ago. Oh, really? Mm. Robert Altman died in about 06, 07 something. Oh yeah, of course yes. Legendary director, legendary actor. Uh, the player is my favourite of his films by a long, but you know, by a long way. I really, really like it. Whereas things like Shortcuts is a little bit like watching Paul Thomas Anderson when he did like Magnolia, where yeah, you're, you're watching it feeling you should like it and it and it should be good for you, but actually, how much am I really enjoying this? Whereas the player is just a, a terrific film, full stop. Would recommend it to anyone sight unseen. Just go get it, get go it, out and watch the film. Yeah. see what you think of it. Plus, I had a real, real thing on Greta for Greta Scatty when I was that age as well. Huh? So, I, 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 the only morality thing I'm a little bit uncomfortable here is the whole like violence is bad and K. He must, <laughs> he must be a bad guy because he like guy. enjoys like violent films and stuff, and it's like, well, 
Um, oh. That makes Chris evil. Oh it no! Does. <laughs> it, do, it does because you know kids can't tell the difference between what's on yeah. TV and what's real. Yeah. I, mean, I watched everything when I was a kid, and apart from the self-loathing, alcoholism, and massive obesity, I've turned out fine. <laughs> yeah, but I doubt that's down to like watching natural movies or whatever. No. No. I mean, they say like you know, in terms of like violent video games and that, they, they they say like it actually helps like suppress like any that those things. They take all that out on on the games or and then or they whatever. end up with wildly better hand-eye coordination and concentration. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just people knocking what they don't understand. Yeah. My dad was always like that. Bloody computers! You should grow out of them. Not to me, more to my stepbrothers mm. and sisters. Yeah, I mean, um, and it's just like, well, no, though it's it's matured as an art form now, anyway. Yeah, for all its yeah, exactly. But things it's always other elements. I mean, like too much, always too much of something is a bad thing. So, like, yeah, I won't like Seriously. I won't want the kid like on the computer to, like, all the fucking time. But um... and if every and if every film they watched was like violent as fuck, you would think, hang on a minute, there's no balance in their interests. Yeah, yeah that's a bit... No, that's it. You'd be Well, yeah, you, you take it on balance and everything when you start, like, torturing animals and thinking, okay, oh, okay, I think you might... Uh, yeah, there's a problem here. <laughs> but, yeah, uh... I was okay when it was insects, so come on. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Yeah, there's a problem there. If you have a child that does that, you might have some problems. Might. But, but yeah, but it's, all, it's also other, other aspects involved now. It's not just, like, just... Just that watching that alone, watching violence on TV alone, it's all it's always what's what is going on in their life and what's going on at home, you know. You know, there's like, a lot of people just quit to blame them because it's easier to do. It's like, well, no, it's it's probably something you're probably neglecting something. Yeah, it's like it's kind of rather than getting to the root of the problem, they just kind of oh yeah, just blame you know yeah. violent movies and. Grand Theft Auto and Fortnite and stuff like well, that. Well, it, it's it's the same. With but they any... were doing they were doing that when Grand Theft Auto was that shitty two D version in the late nineties. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do remember like, that. This is going to cause violence. You think how? It's not <laughs> evocative of anything. I think you had a mixture like in the nineties as, as well, and you kind of, you know, you had kind of like various Bosnian wars, Afghanistan wars, didn't you? And lots of violent images on, on TV screens, and and that kind of only compounded it really. But yeah, I don't think. That game, was, you know, was a tool to blame. It was just a lot of where the, what else was going on at the time. So, hey, look, everybody, it's Robert Mitchum. Hey, I love Robert Mitchum. All right, I it. <laughs> he's a legend. He's an actual bona fide legend. I just think that I, 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 as anyone who listens to a, a lot of us will know by now, I'm no fan of like misplaced nostalgia, the good old days, and all the rest of it. And I actually think if you take acting standards from maybe. I don't know the the early seventies onwards, they are hugely improved over sort of thirties, forties, fifties, and and so on. I think Robert Mitchum. There are a handful of actors who would have just worked and succeeded in any era, and I think Robert Mitchum's one of them. Um, yeah, one hundred percent agree. You can just yeah. you know his career trajectory. Well, it's easy to go oh proper acting back then. I, I bet if you went and watched most old timey Robert Mitchum films, most of his co co actors weren't that good. But he was outstanding. No, fair enough. But, no, know, definitely. Like, I, th- I think, yeah, I would agree. He's a, he's a proper legend. Well, it's like <laughs> everyone tells that story about Dustin Hoffman and Laurence Olivier, don't they? Just act, dear boy. And, you know, it, but it's a way to knock. You know, Effectively, then, they were going on about the youth of today, even though Dustin Hoffman's an old man by now. Exactly. But then you've got um, kind of... He's very like, much but, kind of, like, of that method, wasn't he, it, as well? But it... But it 
it yields results. It yields results. So I think acting standards are far, far higher than they were sort of 60, 70 years ago. Of course. But Robert Mitchum's just one of those exceptions where you go, he was just superb all the time in everything. And he was really fucking intimidating as well. Oh, in um, Kate Fair? Yeah, that's terrifying. The thing. Everyone, everyone bangs on about Night of the Hunter. I, I like the original Cape Fear more. I think Night of the Hunter is very much a slow burn, and plus yeah. also he was kind of playing like not against well against type. I would say like he wasn't at that point traditionally typecast as sort of villainous or kind of a, a murky type character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would probably say that the version that he was in of, of Cape Fear is probably the mm-hmm. definitive version. As much as you know, the Robert De Niro version is he is utterly utterly terrifying. I and, still. And think- it- Again, it's a knee-jerk for people to go, oh, remake's never as good. The, the Kate Fear's a little bit different. Sometimes, because, sometimes. Because, it's got, because it's got De Niro in it, and it's a Scorsese film. So there's a tendency to be kinder to Kate Fear, but I have to say, wholeheartedly, I prefer the 1960s version with Robert Mitchum. I th- I've only seen the original once, years and years ago. And and I compared it to the original one, and... Well, sorry, to the, uh, the updated one, Scorsese... And it and it and it's and it's a good, you know. It's obviously it's, it's Scorsese, so it's going to be worth watching. But you can just tell like it is just updated and exaggerated, so everything's a lot more violent. It's a bit more over the top. It's a bit more nastier. Um, but there you are. It, you know, it's you know, it's just one of those things. I reckon like the the original Gregory Peck one is uh, it's probably a bit more nuanced. I liked it a lot. I like it more than Night of the Hunter, which mm-hmm. is this sort of big villain role that everyone raves about which is where everyone's got a love and hate tattoo on his uh, fingers yeah that's right I'm looking at this here now and, and actually one of Bill Murray's complaints because he's screaming in Alfred Woodard's face where we've got up to if I can't work late I can't work late I can't work late <laughs> um, he was saying that Donna just kept telling him to do everything louder louder oh, louder <laughs> and he just said um, he, he was struggling with it he just said that the, the biggest problems were they were dis- they were I mean firstly Murray did get things rewritten well that's fair enough because you would expect him to be involved in the creative process and it was written by SNL writers anyway mm. so it's people he would have worked with on that show but he said that there's one only about one take of anything in the film that's like his version what he wanted to do. Uh, he was constantly being asked to play it, not how he wanted to play it. And I think what he's trying to say is... It's not his take. Not really not, his, no. Not only that, I think he's questioning uh, Donna's ear for comedy. You know, just the idea of just yeah. louder, louder, louder. Sometimes louder doesn't, you know, more I, doesn't always equal more. Yeah, I think it's probably not... Because I don't think of this as a flat-out comedy, though. I mean, I know it's got, it's got a comedic element to it. So I think it's... Donna's probably trying to balance the more traditional kind of character because I, I, you know, because yeah, it's not that many laughs. I mean, what what yeah. I really like about it is is actually the traditional, um, you know, print works of the Scrooge story. It's the transition of an arsehole finding redemption. It's you know, that's that's the thing. That, that but again, I, that in this me. version, he's recognisable as the same man, just yeah. better. Which is normally a flaw in this story, you know. So yeah, I, I like all that as well. Mm. Yeah, but he does just do grade A asshole. But maybe it's just that it was like <laughs> he just wants to make it a bit more like funny, basically, yeah. and that's probably what it is. 
Just as a time check, he's he's just got in the car and he's just waving at the angry woman and the taxi's pulling away now. I'm literally just like one second ahead. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm, it's more for Chris's benefit because yeah. he's well out. So he's yeah. just started talking at this deal. Right, sometimes. Yeah, so you've yeah. sort of seen, like, you know, um, a recently fired Bobcat Golf Rate getting. Yeah, he's just walked down the street, had a quick exchange with some woman, and he's opening a bottle mm. now. Oh, dear. Poor guy. So, you are getting. So, this, this film does a good sort of explaining who this character is in a short amount of time. It's. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, we've got it already, and we're, what, 17 minutes in? Yeah. Not too bad at all. And we're about to. Yeah, it, it, does, it does move along. Yeah, and we've already been introduced. Like, yeah, so he just left the the wall because he doesn't even give a shit. Yeah, but that uh, that was probably the most telegraphed. Like, uh, you're right, Chris. It's not really a joke. I don't think we're supposed to laugh at it. No, but it, it is kind of blackly comic, I suppose, and that was very very predictable. Yeah, yeah, well, he wouldn't care. Thing is, it's not that exaggerated. We do. Mm. We've. I've, I've. I've worked with assholes like this. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't now for anyone listening who I work with. It's not <laughs> in, <laughs> genuinely. Well, it's not. It's not aimed at anyone I know now. But I've worked with people over the years where I go, "You're flat out a fucking sociopath." <sighs> not that many. I've been fairly lucky, but there's a few. They stand out because they're relatively rare. Yeah. I mean, they usually are quite successful because they are like that. They just don't give a shit. They will just. Yeah, I know. They usually yeah. say that, though, don't they? Like, if you've got to have some sociopathic or psychopathic tendencies to actually yeah. make it to the top. They, they, you have got to be quite bloody minded. And they say some people are generally really that. Um, like, sort of, I think it's more psychopath, isn't it? It's like I don't know. I'm not yeah, sure you don't care about others, and they're just quite. It's, yeah, because actually, the the, the, word, the the term sociopath doesn't really exist in medicine anyway. But yeah, certainly. Being sort of a, a a psychopath, that complete shallow lack of understanding of society's conventions and understanding of other people's feelings, but but knowing it well enough to be able to kind of um, play people. It. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a difference between like there's just like un, like just a complete doesn't care or has no understanding of it, and then there's people who who do understand it and know how to put and and then I mean, like know how to that. manage it. Yeah, I don't know whether it's which is the difference. Uh, well, with with the other, we're looking. That's more. If you don't understand it, it's more about being on the spectrum. Then yeah. this isn't that. Now, I'm sure everyone recognises Blake Carrington from Dynasty. There, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it's Blake Carrington. Yeah. Tab. Oh my God, this is very 80s. Blake Carrington, also the vo- obviously Charlie from Charlie's Angels as well. Of course. Very very well known voice. A role which. Bill would himself play later on. I do like this um, well, he image. Played Bolton, he? he played Bolton, even yes. I, 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 Sorry. I do like this um, idea, this updated idea of of the, the the first ghost kind of thing. Not the first ghost, but you know the the warning one. The uh, the, the Jacob the, Marley. Yeah, the Jacob Marley. Yeah. The first version I ever saw was Mickey's Christmas Carol. Oh. And funnily enough, I have a feeling uh, I might be wrong on this, but I. I I, I've got the right era and roughly the right time. I might have the wrong film. But I have a feeling Mickey's Christmas Carol showed in front of Ghostbusters. Oh, right. 
But I might be wrong. It just sounds wrong because Ghostbusters probably came out in June or something. Why would you put Mickey's Christmas Carol out? Um, I don't know. I'd have to look up the release date of Ghostbusters. But something that year, they put Mickey's Christmas Carol on. And of course, there's all sorts of... Uh, I think I think it might be Pluto that might be Jacob Marley in that. But you've, he's, he's visited by like Jimmy Cricket first and stuff like that. Loads of different um, ideas. But yeah, that's the first exposure I had to the Dickens story, the half-hour version with Mickey Mouse. I'm just looking up released. Ah, yes. Now, Ghostbusters was released the 7th of December 1984 in this country. Oh, wow. So I think it was on front in the front of that, yeah. Don't oh, really do that old. anymore, do they? No, they donn't do that so much. Because um, we're not talking about just a short like Pixar where it's five minutes. We're talking half an hour. Yeah, probably like record cartoons before the main film. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they do in because obviously some of the main cin- main cinema chains now have like kids, you know, kids screenings. I don't know if they do the same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they don't seem to do that anymore. That's a shame. That's something they kind of a tradition. I don't know if it was happening like before wartime, for example. They just put on like news and uh, cartoons before like the, the, the news on the march and Pathé Real, things like that. Pathé News. But before that, not Donald Duck. Ooh. That's quite a lot of makeup there. <laughs> Mound of latex. Yeah, he wasn't a young man then. No. So you have to go through all that. Looks about a thousand years. <laughs> Well, he looks dead. <laughs> <laughs> he does, well, literally crawled out from the grave. He's got good upper arm strength, though. <laughs> yeah, I watched The Muppets Christmas Carol just after I watched uh, Mary Poppins, actually. Oh. And I, I can't... It's it, There's nothing there you can dislike. But the songs weren't that amazing. And the cinematography what? has no real atmosphere to it either. Which one, so, Poppins or...? Mary, uh, no, I'm talking Muppets Christmas oh, Muppets, Carol here. Okay. wasn't as good as I remember it being. No. That's I not to say I thought it was bad. Yeah, I, I think I think people like it because it's Muppets. Yeah, it's just one of those yeah. things. So I remember I did watch it last last Christmas. Um, there's a song there somewhere, and um, yeah, I was kind of like, mm, it's lost some of the sheen, but you know, it's still good. Michael Caine was still on form, and you know, if you don't cry at the end, you're dead inside. So, but obviously not really. <laughs> So whereabouts are you guys up to now? He's just been dropped out the window. Yeah. Uh, he's landed and the phone appears to be dialing itself. Yeah. Claire, Claire's yeah, voicemail. Yeah. Marion. Marion. Before yeah. she took to grinning like an imbecile. <laughs> well, she does grin like an imbecile. It's <laughs> quite a lot to be fair. Most of the time. Even in the no, but she's, she's okay in this. And again, she's got that... She, she, she's meant to be... She's that character, isn't she? She's... It's funny because... You, Superman, um, stuff like Terms of Endearment, um, Indie, you know, Raiders, mm. all within three or four years of each other. And, and there's a great similarity in sort of feel between uh, Karen Allen, Deborah Winger, and what was the other one I just said? What was the other film I just said? Deborah Winger was Terms of Endearment. Oh, Margot Kidder. Yeah. There's a similarity, yeah. those kind of slightly freckly, dark-haired ladies with slightly sort of mm. scratchy voices. They're quite um, 
they're, they're kind of similar. Um, and there's a similar quality to, to Karen Allen, and she could have played she could have played Lois Lane quite easily, actually. Um, there's a sparkiness and character and life and reality to the person, as opposed to just having them pursuing like insert famous or well-known or pretty actress. So I always kind of liked Karen Allen. Never, um, she didn't have as good a career as I would have expected. Off the basis of Raiders, because she was that good in Raiders. NBC kills a woman. <laughs> yeah, the with the kind of um, Bob Cratchit um, placement with um, the receptionist, they do do quite a good job, even though it's just a few short scenes of establishing their um, like a close knit fa- uh, family living in a small small house. Who are the Cratch Scratch uh, the yeah, Cratchit yeah. equivalent? Yeah. yeah. Are they uh, called Cratchit in this? I can't tell. No, they no, are. they're not. I mean, they, they, I think both that and the uh, the Bobcat uh, are kind of like the the ciphers for Cratchit. Yeah, they're pretty much Cratchit standings, aren't they? As you say. Although you got Thingy and her son, haven't you? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because he's, he's he didn't speak. So. Michael J. Pollard Herman in this is where Michael J. Fox got the whole Michael J. idea from. Oh, fun fact. Yeah, he was looking around for a name because his actual middle name begins with an A and he thought, I can't go with Michael A. Fox. A. Fox. <laughs> where, did, where did they get the idea for Homer J from? Maybe that's where it's from. <laughs> Charles Dickens want to see his nipples. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can see her nipples. <laughs> see, I'm a oh, <laughs> You can't really see her nipples. Whose nipples are we talking about, and why am I not enjoying them as we speak? <laughs> oh, hang on. Hold on a minute. There got... they are. There they were. Never noticed this that. This is only a 12. Oh, yeah, but it's the tiniest oh, bit. Oh, Jesus. Nipples, it's fine. It's in the face. It's not in the face, but... These <laughs> <laughs> my nipples are covered up. So, so I, even though, like, so, oh. so Bill Murray didn't feel like this is like his best performance in this but I think he's really good in it I I, I think it's probably one of my favourite performances of his but um, he probably would feel the same I, 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 would, I would agree but now I'm aware of that direction louder 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 a couple of times I've seen it already where I'm going yeah he's being forced into that that's not how he wants to play it no yeah. But it's it's not but it's not the the louder 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 bits that I'm like that's that's just him being a dick parts but um, yeah it it's yeah. it's the it to me it's it's the subtle things like when when he sees um I can't remember a character's name Claire Claire that's Claire, it she's called. he's talking to a yeah it's person. his face almost like lights up but doesn't entirely yeah. you can sort of see it it's a playfulness there but yeah. he, he he hasn't switched the asshole off yeah no but uh, not James Brown has just uh, interrupted them <laughs> not James Brown wearing not wearing not soul glow on his hair <laughs> yeah but the, the the film's kind of like full of those things where he kind of like. The, you know he's he's wearing the shield of arsehole but you see the man like breaking you know you yeah. see the the man kind of coming out but I'm sure you can comment there that's not how you move a person you what I'm sure you can comment there that's not how you move a person 
you, you move a person. You flip, you flip you know, over. Oh, sorry, I, I completely missed that. <laughs> I'm just going to say, Terry Bambas just posted on Facebook about an hour ago. Mary Poppins returns. I love everything except the songs and the music. And you oh. think that's a pretty major part. Of <laughs> that's a big chunk of the song, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> But I heard a review that was similar. They said it was really charming, really nice. But when you think everyone knows most of the songs from the first film. Yeah. You know, who knows if that's just because it's 50 odd years old, but there's none of that in the new one. So no, we'll see. I'll find out. That's that's always a thing in creating a new new musical, isn't it? Ian Hosen, 50 years later, we'll all be singing songs from the remake, for example. I mean, I remember seeing, what did I go and see? Chitty Chitty Bang Bang at the Mayflower. Um, and they inserted a couple of new songs into that. And I was like, what? How what, dare it's, they? It's the stage version. And the, the yeah, the stage it. show. Um, and that's fine. You, see, you I've do not seen want. the film in years. Had its 50th anniversary. Very fun. Um, but you know, some of those things, like, you don't, don't mess with it. But at the same time, you do have creative license, so... But who knows? Even that, that's quite harsh in its way. He's mm. got him right by like his top like that, you know. That, but yeah. only Bill Murray can sell that. Because yeah. he has a little bit of a... Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of joking, even though I'm, I actually am being a prick. But <laughs> I don't know what it is about him, but yeah. She went straight to him, though. She weren't seeing anyone else or anything. No. But yeah, no, I meant to look up Karen Allen, actually. She hasn't remotely had the career I thought she was going to have. Or you would have thought she'd have. I only know her for about four or five things. Probably less than that. Because the other one that always springs to mind is Starman. I've yet to see that. I really want to see that because that's like uh, John Carpenter, isn't it? Um... Well, it's the film she shows most ranging because mm. she's actually heartbroken because she's lost her husband or boyfriend. Or I've only seen it once, mm. by the way, so I've forgotten details. But she loses like her partner, and then this alien being kind of takes his form. Mm. So she's reunited, and and the confusion of that, and they're trying to deal with grief. It's uh, Jeff Bridges, I think. Mm. Yeah. Uh, trying to, who directed it? I don't actually know. Let's yeah. have a look. Oh, it's John, John Carpenter. Yeah, John Carpenter. Yeah. I yeah. I, I'm not even sure I knew that. Uh, but when you look at it, though, I mean, I know her from I know her from Animal House. Mm. Uh, I know her from Raiders. Obviously, we'll we'll count the two indie films together. This and Starman, and there isn't a lot else. Not really. And that surprises me because she really, particularly in, I mean, in Raiders, she just held her own in such a, it could have been a, it could have been such a nothing role and it wasn't. And then obviously we've talked about this, she came back in Crystal Skull and just, it it was like, it it was like she'd lost, she she came off like she'd lost IQ points. Compared compared to Raiders, she really she, did. She, she was just happy to be there. I know it was just this kind of vacant grinning. Now the guy, the guy there, the guy serving them, was in Citizen Citizen Smith with uh, Robert Lindsay. 
Wait, it was one of the oh, one yeah. of the two one of the two guys who played the father of his girlfriend because that got a recast a while in. Uh, is it? Is this? Uh, oh, it's, it's not. It's someone Glover, isn't it? What's his name? Who? The uh, the 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 guy coming in to. You could end up with his job. Or the guy's trying to get his. You're job. a bit on from me. They're sat at yeah. dinner. Yeah, they're just he's just about to come in. All right. Okay. Oh yeah. So I've got I've taken the liberty of hiring someone to work with you. So this is this is obviously mm. where this is going to happen. What? He, he's oh, already yeah. met him previously in the lift, but or coming out of the lift. Ah, okay. Ah, there he is. Bit of a stock character for an '80s film, not a million miles away from like John Hurd's character in Big. Mm. Yeah, a little bit kind of stock archetype. Hmm. That's because you are a threat. <laughs> People would see me as a threat because you are. Because you are. Extreme close up. There are a lot of extreme close ups in this film. <laughs> Which is always dodgy when you're losing, using lots of foundation, isn't it? It's always yeah. a bit. It's risky. Especially on Blu ray as well because it just exaggerates all those. That was walls. a massive problem in the new Robin Hood film. Ben Mendelssohn just looked like he was wearing so much foundation it was hilarious. Oh, really? Was he, could you see if he's wearing guy liner? I don't remember that bit, but I remember <laughs> the thick, powdery skin. Oh dear. Is that just to make him look pale and evil? No, it's just piss poorly made. Oh. It's, it actually came off as incompetent in places because oh, no. so much of it looked like it, set. Didn't they have like a massive budget it's or still, It still looked like BBC as well. It oh. looked like a set. I mean, they they have this big war sequence in like, you know, wherever the Crusades were, Turkey or wherever it was. And uh, it looks like a soundstage. It just looks like a soundstage. Nothing ever looks outside, and, even when it is. And when you consider, like, Robin of Prince of Thieves, which was made probably, how, like, 25 years ago? Well, something like yeah, that? 91, it, so it 20, looks 27 so years between it, the two films. It looks so much more better. Than... The problem is they've made it for, like, $100 million or something, right? Or 90 to 100, I read. Um... And that's not no longer big budget filmmaking. Mm. No genre, it's not. That was big for the day, but not anymore. It, it's really not. It, it just looks cheap. Um, all the matte painting, you know, you get an establishing shot of Nottingham, and it looks rather small and badly matted. Mm. Um, and then you'll talk to the town, but it might as well be a street, you know, because there's just no scale to anything. They're all wearing. Um, outfits that look 20th century, 21st century, really. Um, the action's really poor. It's just not a very good film. But when it comes down to makeup looking incompetent, you go, well, surely you know how to do that. And disappointingly, Ben Mendelssohn is playing the same character yet a fucking game. Yeah, he's been a bit typecast, hasn't he? It's his own fault. He keeps signing to do this stuff. He's yeah. got a big, he's got a bigger range than that. He's got a check to pay. He's got a bill every to pay. Every time, every time I talk about Ben Mendelsohn or write anything that's got like him mentioned, I always talk about Bloodline, the um, Netflix show. Oh, I need to watch that. Um, you know, just watch the first series because it's really slow. But he was so good in it. Yeah, wasn't there? There was another. I saw somebody on Twitter raving about another Netflix series that he was quite good in. What um, Ben Mendelsohn? Yeah, I can't think what it was. Actually, or it might have been an Amazon. Some Prime show, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, somebody else was raving about him and saying, look, go back and check out his early stuff. And I was like, ooh. Well, I, I always point out um, Animal Kingdom, which Dave always oh, I need to see that. <laughs> I still haven't got to it. But basically, 
the his role in the Dark Knight Rises, Ready Player One, and all that. You, you uh, even Rogue One. You've seen it. It's the same shit. Mm. Yeah, oh, he he does do the bad guy very well. Um, but he, but he played a bad guy in Bloodline, but it was a different flavor. It, sure, it's variation good. on a theme. He's good in Animal He's Kingdom. really talented. He's good in. Um, oh, he is pla- definitely. Place Beyond the Pines. Um, yeah. That, <laughs> Maybe that. Yeah, I think that was it. I, yeah, I missed. I missed out on that one. The film. Yeah, but it's not like he's not doing anything of any range. He played the King of England in fucking Darkest Hour. He but he just keeps going back to these sort of slimy, smarmy businessman evils. Uh, obviously, the sheriff of Nottingham's not a businessman in the same way, but it's the same vague sort of thing. And it's just getting tiresome, and it's a waste of his talent. And I don't know who thought that film was a good fucking idea because it was terrible. Oh, this guy. Yeah, Michael J. Pollard. Yeah, I forgot about this guy. <laughs> Cool, yeah, cool. but if you go and look up a screenshot from this film, it's very likely he'll be in it. It's oh, of kind course. Of yeah, it's very questions. iconic. Yeah. It's quite sad that you can see his decline as well, sort of physically and mentally and emotionally as well. I think that's very sad. Shut your eyes and drive. Woo-hoo. It's too broad to be sad. It is. This is a very cool effect. Although if you have epilepsy, look away now. Oh, he's gone back in time. Back in time. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> There's a song about that. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, when I lived in America for a bit, we drove around and had a look at some of the really nice Christmas decorations, and literally there is a street somewhere in the wilds of Wisconsin where I lived like this. And literally, it was I dubbed it Christmas Street because every house was done up in lights, bedecked in lights. Electricity bill must have been vast. But it was glorious to see. It was really well done, quite tastefully done. Very beautiful, very pretty, and amazing. It is kind of cool when you go to America and you see the proper, like, American type houses you see. Like, you know, you go amazing. to, like, New York, New York, like, around Brooklyn, and you, and you sort of, like, walk, not, you know, a bit more the suburb, but you see that, you know, that sort of back street kind of sort of townhouses yeah. you go, like, and everyone's oh, decked out cool. their Christmas decorations. Yeah, it wasn't really Christmas, to see. but yeah. No, I know, I know what you mean, definitely. I, yeah, I have been there near around Christmas. Um, yeah, when I sort of studied abroad, though, went away for the, for the autumn term. Um, so obviously we came back around Christmas time. So I think we went oh, okay, the first week of December, I think, um, for a little jaunt to, to New York, as you do. Um, yeah, that was really magical. Um, it's a very special place to be at, at Christmas time. Expensive, I imagine, but yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no, very expensive, definitely. But yeah, this was like two thousand and four, two thousand and five, so a long time ago. But I, I should definitely go at some point too. Well, bring back some Swiss Miss when you go. Yeah. I mean, it, it does help the fact that you know one of my best mates now lives in New York, so that that helps. That yeah, gives, that's that, very handy, that, that's, that's a good excuse to go. Uh, yeah, and you can do your podcasting mm. as well from from Denny's. Denny's. What my cat's house. <laughs> <laughs> You've confused me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how's Denny doing? Is she okay? I don't know where she is at the minute, but she's fine. Oh, she's out mousing. I got a month. I got no. She doesn't go out very often. I oh. got. I, I got her. Uh, I, yeah, I got her some catnip the other day, so I got her Ooh. nice and munted a couple of days ago. I was going to say, I did when you get a crunk. So. <laughs> well, my mum actually got it. She bought her like a little um stocking, like a Christmas stocking, and it had oh, nice. treats in it. So I gave her some of them, and yeah, Ooh. she would. He loves it. 
I, actually, I don't treat rewarder that often, so it was quite funny to watch my cat rolling over all loved up. But the funny thing is, after about 10 minutes of that, she disappeared and I didn't see her all day. Oh, dear. She, basically, she basically went straight to sleep. She was like, that's fucked me. That She's like, oh, I'm going to sleep for two days now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, bless her. Slept right through. Okay. She's not an elderly cat. We're talking about a three-year-old cat here. I was going to say. <laughs> it's, it's a lot, though, for, for a little one. So. No, I think I might do a Christmas Eve box for our puppy. That's quite sad. So, But I might, I might you know, put some treats together and see what she likes. And do a Christmas Eve box. Which I didn't know was a thing. <laughs> I think that's good parenting by Frank's dad. <laughs> Oh yeah, definitely. T- Great teaching his child's fiscal responsibility in front of the TV. <laughs> no, it is. Well, great. after all, that's it what is. Homer Simpson said. TV. It is great. Did you ever love her? Secret lover. <laughs> it it is really good acting by uh, Bill Murray. Bless him. Yeah. It is very sad. He's he's actually really sad on it there, even though he's like got no lines of dialogue. It's all just reacting. Ever spotted a hunky? Straight up, I was touched by the gift. (laughs) (laughs) I did some stuff. That is really funny. Yeah, television. Teach your mother secret lover. Homer Simpson had it right. (laughs) I think I think I was basically me as a kid. I just like you know always watching TV when I when I wasn't like doing homework and shit no yeah, but what else you meant to do when you're that age you know what I mean I don't watch a lot of TV now no I obviously do consume a fair amount of pop culture hence this podcast and writing and stuff like that so I still watch a lot of things but like I, I don't switch the telly on now and just see what's on and then watch it for five hours straight even if there's nothing of much interest I don't, I don't do that I think it, it's quite often something you just mm. you know grow out of anyway but it was back in the day we had four channels as well, wasn't it? So you used to sort of like look at the TV yeah. going, oh, what was on there? You used to get excited, like, oh, the Bond film's on, yes. Yeah. I was like, to make sure I was there, and I used to get really arsy when the parents started I mean, to that go used, out. I mean, that used I'd to be like, literally Aah. true. If it was a bank holiday, that used to be literally true. If it was a bank holiday or public holiday, as you might call it in other countries, a Bond film was on almost always. Mm. It's not now, which is kind of sad. I find that really sad though it's not you know bank holidays now or don't have bomb films anymore yeah but it's just the principle of a thing because mm. I wouldn't be watching it on TV anyway well, no it's adverts and shit quality but I just like to know it's out there for everyone yeah, else God. now that it's is a mullet there. that yeah, is that a is epic hairstyle <laughs> <Bloody> hell <clears throat> it's the sort of thing that would suit Bobcat Goldthwait in like Police Academy or something well it would you know <laughs> Yeah. All versions, most versions of the Scrooge story, they sort of start off meaning quite well, don't they? They have quite dysfunctional childhoods, and then you know they they they're not shown a lot of love, mm. and then they start off in business just wanting to do their best. That's all. And, and somehow there's a sadness to that, and I don't know how much Dickens was aware of it when he wrote it. Whether you know that actually we're not dealing with that they're, they're not nasty so much as damaged. Mm. I think that was Dickens' whole thing about um, like no, child poverty and, and neglect and 
that, that was kind of it because he was he was obviously a big social. Because I remember I watched the I watched the Muppets one a couple of days ago. There's you know there's he spends Christmases and times you know by himself in the school and stuff like that. Mm. Well, I think that well that was Dickens' social commentary, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. Well, he's, I think it was just like like career driven and always on that on that sort of aspect, really, wasn't it? Uh, his his mind was always focused on one thing and and not really about any other anything else, like you know. Never been that attracted to Karen Allen, but she's got a very, very mm. sweet smile there. Mm. Yeah, she's got a lovely smile, very broad. Yeah. Very winning, winning smile. Yeah. Girl next door type. Oh. Kind of cool. And, you know, it, it, do you have chemistry here? Like, you do you sort of sell, like, this girl is a match for this swat of a guy? <laughs> Essentially, you kind of see like why they would get. It's got to be someone with a bit of life yeah. in them for, for this type mm. of guy, you know. The Velvet Underground and Nico being sold. Oh in yeah, it. that's a really classic album. Really sounds better on vinyl. In fact, that played a Femme Fatale played over the trailer for the World Is Not Enough episode we did. Oh yes, I do love that album. It's a very classic album. Mm. I think I've got Loaded as well. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, good taste. Oh, she's in the bath! <laughs> I, thought that was a ra- I thought that was a razor then, in the hand. I thought we were, like, shaving the bush or something. <laughs> okay. Living in a really sort of small, grotty apartment. Well, I was listening to a review online of um, the recent Venom film. Oh, yeah. And they reckon even the shitty apartment he was in after his relationship broke up would be $5,000 a month. Oh, yeah, because it's like right in the middle of... Uh... It is. But Not all of America's like that, but yeah. But I, I don't know where this apartment is, to be fair. It's not, they're not established that. It could be like a bit in the outskirts. But it'd still be expensive. But... It's the same like in London though, isn't it? When you go to like London's expensive to live in, but if you were that keen to do it and you weren't that worried about being in like a house or something, yeah. it is doable. About being in debt. Yeah, it's doable. I've just noticed You need to have a good wage along with it. I've just noticed you got a fucking swing in the kitchen. Oh, well, I'm one of those. probably too old to do it now, but I look into it every now and again when I feel like a bit restless. And I did a couple of months ago. We're getting a swing in the kitchen. Look, look to whether like London was possible, and it is doable. It's more doable than you would think it is. But it, mm. yeah, it's an expensive part of the world. I get the impression New York's like worse, far, far oh, more yeah. expensive. I think the people tend to live there, kind of like had it like as more like inherited, like they just yeah. had the right. Yeah. Right. So the Karma Sutra. Oh God! Here we go. Anytime I see a sex manual in a film, I just think of Richard Richard in Bottom. Sorry, <laughs> play. Oh, I haven't got time to grow a beard. <laughs> Wait a minute, that's not a beard. <laughs> oh, he's cleaned his teeth. <laughs> so funny. Don't blow the ending for me now. Unfortunate oh, choice of words. I've not read the caramel. Uh, <laughs> I said they said the caramel suture there. The caramel. 
<laughs> well, there's, there's a there's a podcast you can pay for Patreon listeners. Uh, Chris, me, and Becca reading from comments. Oh dear. And he's literally looking at watching I know, himself have sex. I know so, Becca yeah. wouldn't have. I know Becca wouldn't have that, but I, I totally do it for a laugh. I, I always think of Sam McCall when I think of the, the next this scene. What going from seventies? No, he's in he's in the dog, in dog costume. Seventy-one. Good morning, kiddos. This is Mike the Mailman. Yes, he's in that. Yes, I remember that. So he didn't make it to the top super fast. You know, a few years are going by with him kind mm-hmm. of still a bit of a lackey. But it's, it's, oh, it's how it works in these industries, don't you? Kind of like you have to pretty much like sell your soul to yeah. to, to get ahead. Well, I thought so. Which is pretty much what he does, really. <laughs> the only thing is I never quite get why he wants it what is it he wants is it just the mm. wealth um Scrooge normally I, I'm never quite sure what it's about I always think he gets just too single minded and never actually stops to even think about what he wants he just drives he himself on I, I think I think that is just what it is he just he's just thinking about that he you know he doesn't sort of he He's just career driven to that extent. It's not necessarily about wealth. It's just, uh, you know, uh, I'm just thinking about the career and thinking about my own goals, not thinking about anyone else. And yeah, not really. He does still love her, though. He's just leapt to his feet there when he sees her. Hmm. And you can see present day Bill Murray in the audience suddenly look really uncomfortable then because mm. he's just remembered what's coming yeah he's yeah. it's one of the most effective things in, in any of these version, any version of these stories that just that whole moment where he has to watch uncomfortable things mm. and he knows what he did you know and it, it does speak to me it must speak to all of us who've been around a while you know we just think oh, god how could I have done that how did that happen how did I let that yeah. happen? And if you ever made me watch it, I'd be devastated. But I think it's like when you do have to going back and reflecting on yourself does do that. It does make you analyse. Go, okay, well, this is how I fucked up. This is where I'm going wrong. This is what I need to change. It actually is quite good at doing that when you actually look back and... It is, but sometimes... Even, even though it hurts. At, I mean, this film, because it's a film, he can put this right and yeah. he does put it right with her. But obviously, if you put me back with like women I've messed up with, for example, just to watch it, well, what purpose does that serve? They're not going to come back. You know, no. The, the one in particular that still hurts isn't coming back. No. So if you actually just showed it to me, you would devastate me but, for no reason at all. But you would probably forgive yourself and you go, right, okay, well, you wouldn't necessarily like, you know, turn back time to, to an extent, but you would sort of move on. You would fight, get closure, and go. Okay, I can, I can let, I can let it go. I've understand my mistake, and it just, you know, that's, that's what it does. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's that's my take on it. But because you know, in in Scrooge, he doesn't sort of necessarily have a girl to go 
go back to. It's only in this version, really, or or varies. Um, no, but he does have lost loves in, yeah. in, in the other versions that you see. Mm. But the film at the end isn't about getting her back. Yeah. It's about um, making the best of the time he's got left and the mm. people around and learning from what he lost. It isn't about regaining what he lost. So mm. it's a different story in that regard. And I think that was one of the changes Murray was involved with, that they beefed up this love story element. Because, again, if it had been more like the traditional stories, there would have been a lot around him losing her. Mm. But she wouldn't necessarily have factored into his redemption in the same way. Because it isn't about... We think back to the analogy we've just given. It isn't about me recreating those circumstances with that person. It's about using the lessons of that to move on with who's around now and mm. what's in life now. And that's the subtle difference. Yeah. I mean, it works better because he's like a younger guy. So it's not like he's 60. <laughs> what's, that, what's that actor called? Which one? One that he's just been talking to and just walked by. Wasn't he in The Love Bug? The, the first Herbie film, Dean Jones, but he's got like a mechanic friend and I've got a feeling that's him. Look him up. Oh. You'll have seen The Love Bug, mm. Becca, won't you? Oh, sure. God, ages ago, yeah, when I was very little. Because it's great and you'd love it. It's, I know. A classic, it's a classic Disney film. It's the first Herbie film. It is Herbie, definitely. I remember seeing the Lindsay Lohan version in the mid-2000s. I used to work in a, in a video shop and we'd stick on anything with a with a U certificate or PG yeah. certificate. So yeah, got some cheesy shit. It's Buddy Hackett. Uh-huh. Buddy Hackett. Classic film. And he was, he was in The Love Bug. Yeah. Yeah, I've not seen that film for a long, long time. That's kind of a typical bank holiday film as well, like a classic 60s Disney film. Uh, same director Disney as Mary Poppins. Yeah. Temporary Shelter. He also did Bedknobs and Broomsticks. That's the one. That was an interesting film. That was the second film I ever saw at the cinema. <laughs> oh, wow. Obviously, it wasn't new then. It was on re-release because it's early 70s. And I so, David, are you it. that old? <laughs> no. But I, I no, went to not. see something and I think we either couldn't get in or I was talked into by whoever took me because it was a cousin, a female cousin of about eight years older than me. So I'd have been about five or four and she'd have been like 13 or 12 or something like that and we ended up going to see Bedknobs and Broomsticks and I'm sure that was the second film I saw after Superman 2 yeah so I'm at the where he's at the uh, the homeless place he's there the sort of soup kitchen yeah. or whatever it is and he's just shaking hands with the people mm. there yeah That lady who's just pouring a drink into her face, his face always seemed to play cantankerous in a lot of mm. things. I've seen her in other stuff as well. She's, she's Goonies, uh, Throw Mama from the Train, predominantly. Yeah. Throw Mama from the Train, I think, is what I'm thinking of. Mm. Yeah, that would be right. Was that a Frank Oz? Or was that Danny DeVito who, made, who did that? What directed Throw Mama from yeah. the Train? I think Frank Oz directed it, but I don't know without looking. Yeah. But obviously, Danny DeVito was in it. That that that's a possible fact, folks. <laughs> a possible fact. We're semi-guessing, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, so he's so so he's you know, trying it on basically. He's like uh remembered like his 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 love for her so he wants to like make it back but he hasn't really learned his lesson of putting others first. Or putting putting No, he just thinks, well, I've been sh- it, he, all he's learned so far is that he actually did love her and misses her, mm. and so that he's and learned, that, that aspect of his learned, life is missing. Well, you he know? has he has learned that there's something missing from his life. Yeah. So they always learn sort of part of the lesson as they go on, don't they? I always think they overdo this in in American films, particularly sort of lightish and comedy films. Yeah. Whenever you do see a selection of down and outs, they're always like really over the top selection of characters, aren't they? Yeah. It's a bit like if there's ever a conversation on a subway train, like Crocodile Dundee, or like even larger than life. There's always some real larger than life characters there. Mm. Yeah. I've seen Crocodile Dundee yeah. in a few years. No, that's not a long time either. I think probably since 1984. <laughs> uh, it wasn't made quite that early, but yeah. No. Yeah. You just get the sort of like, you know, scrape them off, save yourself, which will come back later mm. on, which is kind of uh, a point of the moment. But he, he delivered the bar yeah. humbug line quite well. Like, that, that on, pay, on paper, that's like a fucking hell, really? That's going to be like a really big sort of Scrape close them in. off, he's just come to that line now. Yeah. Want to save somebody, save yourself. So you are a good few seconds ahead yeah. now. And then we see, uh, after that you see a bit of a dick. Yeah, we haven't got <laughs> to that yet. You really need to pause for a I second. Paused, and just paused, wait till we... Okay. Oh, should I pause it? No, we're in the right place. Okay. Right, he's just walked out of the soup kitchen now. Okay. If it's if it is a soup kitchen, but you know what I mean, home the shelter. Just walking away, and I there we see got a bit of dick. There we're onto the dancers now. Yeah, that's uh, that's Richard Donner as the yeah. guy working on the. Yeah. It was, and we've now got the cute Mister Houseman. So yeah. Artie Hackett would not be the first choice for a Beniza Scrooge. But they... No. Uh, but it, I think it's kind of going to be like a bit of a shitty <laughs> taking it, really. It's a, like one. It, a little bit cheap as well. Because, mm. again, he's worried about profit margins, so none of the sets are that entertaining. And he's got, if that's meant to be Buddy Hackett, then he's a has been actor. If it's not meant to be Buddy Hackett, then the point still stands. It's probably a has been actor. Apparently, there's something else that was making it worse. There's all this fake snow. Um, was getting into their lungs and Bill Murray was coughing up blood at one point. Fuck. No, it can be quite poisonous, that kind of stuff, isn't it, if you're, mm. if you're exposed to it? Well, I mean, he recovered and stuff and there's no suggestion there was, like, asbestos or anything in no, there. No, no, but sometimes it can be... I don't be, think it did any long-term damage, but it made a it made a miserable time harder. Yeah, that, that'll probably be part of it. You just be... That can't be safe for anyone. It can't be safe, but I've often thought that about sort of fake snow and stuff. 
you know, I remember back when we we record, we reviewed Star Trek Six, mm. and they're on Rua Repente, or whatever it's called, the prison planet, and it looks like Lux Flakes, or something like that. You think, imagine getting that in your throat and lungs, you know? Mm. You know, trying to act, and someone's pouring like you know, dishwasher soap on you. <laughs> yeah. 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 <clears throat> I always thought this was a bit of an old change. Usually, the the first ghost is um, normally like a fairy, and the second one is normally the big bearded mm. fella. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's literally a real managing now. Carol Kane, a very very recognisable actress. And you can hear her as well whenever she does it. I know, you really can. Sort of, sort of person that um, Tim Burton would probably get on with. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine if it was like a just generation, she'd he'd probably work for all the time. Yeah, so she's kind of like a big bubbly squeaky fairy who likes yeah. to punch him <laughs> just going down to see what I've seen her in Adam's family oh yeah I've got to go I'm going back a bit too slowly to be honest because I'm still only around the turn of the century In... Yeah, Adam, the Adams Family and Adams Family Values. I don't know if I've seen either of the film versions. I don't know. I can't remember now. Oh, really? I'm not sure if I have. They obviously didn't stick out to me. She was in The Princess Bride. She was. <clears throat> of course she was. Yes. She was in an episode of Cheers. <laughs> I didn't see that one, I don't think. Kicking away, swiping away with her foot at a chair. The Muppet movie. Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, really? Well, she's been around forever, she has. I've only ever seen that film once, sadly, oh. but it is a classic. Dog Day Afternoon's great. There's mm. a period in the 70s where like Pacino just did quality. Yeah. Every time out. For Hit a three goal. or four year period, you know. Because Serpico's really great as well, and that was around the same time. I don't think I've seen that one. Serpica's based on a true story about a cop who sort of turned, found a load of cor- joined the force all idealistic saw a load of corruption and ended up speaking out oh Serpico's really terrific and a lot of these films were like Sidney Lumet as well who was a, just an outstanding director oh classic um, I like um, I like his version of Murder on the Orient Express Sidney Lumet whose name I can't pronounce <laughs> Who was it? Who who was in his version? Ustinov. Everybody. Was, was, was um, Connery in that Albert one? Albert Finney, Sean Connery, Tony You're Perkins, thinking of the first Richard great Woodmark. train robbery, aren't you? No. No, Ben Chris, I meant. Um, sorry, who's, Con- who's Connery was in it? He I'm was in not both. sure I've seen his version. Is that Ustinov? Is that Peter Ustinov? No, it's Albert Finney. Oh, you did answer that. Sorry, I didn't quite register you answering it. Everybody's yeah. in it. Yeah, okay. Well, everybody who was anybody in the 70s. <laughs> yeah. No, just because yeah, I'm a, I was a able fan to of watch the, the I was able film. to watch the new one fresh because I don't think I'd seen the original. Mm. 
I've seen bits and pieces of Poirot over the years. Not the TV show, but I oh. must have seen bits of the film. Oh she she make a pretty half decent counsellor because she just looks kind of sympathetic and just listens. Yeah, he's unburdening himself like she cares. She's an unusual looking woman as well. It's kind of she's kind of cool. God bless us everyone. God bless us everyone. I've got, yes, got on with the other. I don't dislike the Alastair Sim version, but I just think there's better. But then I've seen a couple of versions over the years that have been disappointing. I wasn't that, I wasn't that in love with uh, Patrick Stewart's take on it. I think the problem is if you, if you keep doing um, the... Christmas Carol. It's just like, well, what can you fucking do? I mean, you can only do what like. Do? There's only so many ways to do it. I mean, you don't do something like this, but even like, uh, like a modern, modern, up to date version. It's like, well, how much is going to be different from Scrooge? Um, so it's like Kelsey when... Grammer did a version that was really hammy as well. You know, so some good actors have actually not been that good in it. But you're absolutely right. It's it's probably a story that's been told now. Yeah, and but if it, you're updating in the it, format, it, yeah. You're only updating it for like visuals and that. You know, you're remaking it because the 1950s version is Academy ratio mm. and kind of degraded yeah. in black and white, you know? Mm. Um, the George C. Scott version, like I say, is Academy ratio shot for TV. I think it's got David Warner in that version. I think David Warner's Bob Cratchit. That rings a bell. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. I, I say I like it, but I've only seen it three or four times in total. Um,. Yeah, I'm pretty sure David Warner's in that. I know Edward Woodward is the ghost of Christmas Present. I, I definitely, I think I definitely remember what I was like seeing that on TV around, around Christmas. Yeah. I just like George C. Scott because he's genuine. He's a bit like Robert Lozier or something. He's just naturally a little yeah. bit intimidating. Robert Lozier. Directed and written by Robert Lozier. Sorry. <laughs> Robert Lozier. <laughs> But you know the you know it, and, and when he turns at the end, he just he just th- you throw in a few more smiles and he's suddenly transformed, but can play sort of the same guy. Whereas Alistair Sim plays two two distinctive cartoons basically. He plays a really cartoon villain and then he plays a really cartoon. He's like super yeah, he's enthusiastic like enthusiastic boy. He's like other dancing man. all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, I never liked. I like the kind of like the feel of it, and I've not seen it for a few years, so I'd kind of like to watch it again. So I don't dislike it, but it's not my favourite version. Put it that way. So this is uh, Bill Murray's actual brother. Uh, what the young guy? Yeah, is well, he's on screen. Brothers, his real life brother. All three of his brothers are in this, apparently. Yeah. It's funny because he looks like a young Bill Hicks or something. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't you know place what? that for ages. What does he look like? If they would take Bill away Hicks. the hard living and make him about 10 years old. <laughs> yeah, the age It's Bill Hicks, yeah. Oh, I'm just looking for the character. Hang on a minute. That's some epic jewelry set there. Giant horse brooch and massive earrings. And talking, obviously, of Frasier, that was Wendy Malick there, who obviously ended up with um, Mar- Mar- the character ended up married to Frasier's dad in it in the show. Hmm. That's a classic show. I didn't. I, I saw like a handful of episodes of Cheers, but and I was a massive Frasier fan as well. Cheers is good. 
It's different. Oh, though, definitely, definitely. Better, but Cheers is great. Yeah, she's definitely a seminal show. joins in the third se- season, and that's that. Yeah, it's quite funny as well. Sean Murray. Yeah, no, Cheers is, it definitely is like certainly very groundbreaking. It it was odd to sort of think. I mean, maybe it wasn't at the time, but to sort of think about like Frasier would be the spin-off. Yeah, but it wasn't the obvious choice. Yeah, you know, but again, sometimes the obvious idea isn't the right one no because it's fairly obvious to do a spin-off with joey from mm. friends for example everyone thought it would be norm but then everyone said well unless you move him to a different town norm's going to be in the bar anyway and if you move him to a different town he'd be in a bar there yeah yeah that's was quite an inspired choice but his, his cheers incarnation until the very end of the show he wasn't very warm as a character at all and he warmed up quite a bit near the end because like lilith cheated on him and things like that um, so he got closer to the incarnation we knew in Frasier. The other was the actor had drug problems as well and drink problems, so there's a hell of a lot of risk in going ahead with Frasier. But yeah, I think it, the obvious choice is never really the right choice because it's always no, going to be say. it's always going to end up with something that's like too obvious. Yeah. Uh, so it's I I think you're going to have to sort of go with like the. Like and maybe, maybe friends should have done go for the really Gunther. big characters as well. Should have, they should have gone for Gunther. Yeah. Well, they always go because I mean the first spin-off of Cheers was actually the Tortellis. Mm. There was a spin-off with like the her ex-husband character Nick and all mm-hmm. the rest of it, mm. and that's just too loud and too broad. This is horrible. I've always yeah. found this horrible. Oh, the yeah, when he finds finds him, yeah, finds him frozen, and he's smiling as well, which is even worse. I yeah, it's there was I mean, a warmth I... to the man's soul. And oh yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, sorry, that's Michael J. Pollard. I think I associate. I put that towards the driver. It wasn't. This is Herman. Michael J. Pollard. Where the Michael J. Fox got the idea of Michael J. As I am. Um, yeah, I, I, I read this. Is one of the sort of the the reactions that really stick with me. It's the kind of almost like he feels guilt. Yeah. He, he, and he feels also, and then he kind of gets defensive about it. It's like saying, "You idiot." Why did he stay there? Well, okay, you're not responsible for that. He didn't, but you were telling Claire to get rid of these people. Mm. Well, she didn't because you don't have that much influence over her, and she's Mm. nicer than you. But actually, this is the out. This is the logical outcome of what you actually wanted. I, I think, I think it's possibly part a defensive mechanism of like him suddenly caring for someone else. Like he, like he sees. So well, that you... hurt him. Yeah. He saw that and it hurt him. Yeah. And your natural inclination is you've caused me pain. Yeah. This is your fault. You've yeah. caused me pain. And in fact, we shouldn't even be here like this because you should have done this, that, and the other. Yeah. yeah. So I've always, I've, I've, I've always liked that kind of. I always thought the gag of that that girl got constantly getting hit by something. It's it's it's, it's, it's actually it's that really funny. Broad. It's 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 from another film series entirely. Do you know what I mean in <laughs> yeah. terms of tone? It's a little bit carry on, a little bit I don't know, a bit like Nordberg in the Naked Gun or something, constantly getting hurt and things like that. But yeah, he's he's going like a bit loopy 
Yes, yeah, so they, they waste no time with this now because it's rattling on towards the end. No, it's rattling on. We got yeah. we got half an hour left, in, including credits. In fact, less than, but twenty eight and a half, mm. including credits. It's a very tight film, but then mm. this type of film needs to be. Mm. It's it's one of the, you know, for all the stuff I have enjoyed, post sort of Anchorman and the sort of Jod Apatow era of films and stuff like that. Lots of that I've enjoyed. But there's no doubt there's been a bloat in the running time of comedies, and that's not a good thing. Hmm. Of all the genres that need to be kept fairly tight, I think comedy is chief amongst them. Yeah, comedy and horror. And horror, yeah. Uh, I think sometimes you can... They're never great at two hours hours and ten minutes. I I think, yeah. I think when you add a bit more drama element to it you got you can probably maybe add another 15 or whatever because it depends there's, on what it is yeah because there's, there's more to it if it's not like a full-on comedy then but i mean go go and compare and it isn't just this there yeah. were other factors but go and look at the running time of anchorman then mm. go and look at the running time of anchorman 2 yeah and the quality is almost you know inverse well it's it's judd apatow we can't make a was, film night you can't all over the you can't, and you can't and... do a comedy that's under two hours. I mean, for fuck's sake. He struggles. Why do I think they're Adam McKay? But yeah, mm. it's that kind of... It's the same sensibility. I mean, stuff like Knocked Up and, and so on, they were, they were too long. Mm. You know? Part, I think partly that is like, oh, let's ad-lib everything, let's do everything on the spot. And they think, oh, I can't leave that out. Cause that's some that was that... gold. Yeah. Yeah, but what, what does it cut together with? Yeah. And especially it's got to be difficult though. Especially now, you don't really know what you're making. Especially now, it's like okay, well, why not you just make you know DVD extras? Just like have all the cut stuff. It's not for nothing because people can enjoy it. I mean, I mean, there's like an hour's footage of Spinal Tap that's just as gold. It doesn't ruin the film at all because it's I could watch it afterwards. It is difficult though because whole subplots end up getting mm. lost and whole story things get lost and. They don't even really know what they're making mm. when they're on set. They are kind of riffing. Mm. Cutting that together must be a nightmare. But I would just think, as a golden rule, if you're about to put in a cut of a mm. film that's got a very slapstick comedic tone and it's two hours and ten minutes, you are wildly too long. Yeah, I would kind of agree as well. Probably an hour and a half tops, but two hours and ten minutes. What? It, We're not talking about some like it hot or something. Yeah. I'm talking about a specific tone of. Yeah, if it was going to be a certain fairly adult, fairly slapstick. If you're full on comedy, yeah, ninety minutes, no more than ninety minutes. But there's an art to it. About one hour forty or something. Mm. But yeah, you're looking around there. Um, The Naked Gun films are, are, you know, because they're just a collection of laughs. They're eighty minutes a lot of the time. Seventy five, I think, by the later ones. And that that'll do. That'll do. That does the job. It's fine. Mm. And command the legend of Ron Burgundy is ninety four minutes. Yeah. And Ron Burgundy. 
and, and they had enough material to make it a, a completely different film from this well yeah so. the wake up Ron Burgundy yeah. so it can put, it's got different <laughs> plot points in it it's got different ideas yeah. it plays up Champ, Champ Kind being in love with him yeah uh, really plays it up more than in the sort of sequel in the original film but it, it's really ladles it on um, you think it's quite difficult to cut these things together because mm. you could you could end up leaving these things hanging but the sequel is a hundred and nineteen minutes, mm. so it's two hours. That's too long. And there's a supersize edition of a hundred and forty-three minutes. There's just no comedy that benefits from being that long. And now we'll get Bobcat Goldfrey going absolutely fucking psycho. crazy. Eight bonkers with his drill and sex. Yeah. You'll hear me say that now and again, listeners. That's a, that's from the University Challenge episode of uh, The Young Ones. <laughs> Bambi, you did Disney nasties. I always think there's an inherent sort of critique of almost American society in these films as well. Oh, of course. Uh, you know, that there's relatively little help for the impoverished and actually there's very little help for those with mental health issues if you just don't have the money. This guy's completely fucking lost it. Yeah, and there's the, just no know, support for and, him. And, and with the easy availability of guns, actually, the natural upshot of this is someone gets shot. You know what I mean? That's always the way it goes, isn't it? But, well, it obviously varies from state to state, but you know, very often guns are more easily to come by Ugh. than um, <laughs> the mental health support, which is very sad. It looks like a giant bed bug or something. It does, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Jesus. I think this is the most terrifying I, ghost of all. I, I, yeah, I love, I love it. Always is, Our team do that? Oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, as early as Mickey's Christmas Carol, the third one was kind of unsettling to a very young child. No, yeah, only just, a little bit. I this mean, goes into like Videodrome style I, traumatic. I remember yeah. the uh, Videodrome's a good shout actually. The, the C. Scott one uh, was, was yeah. a bit more because it's just like a, lots of black veils and really. Yeah. Mm. I mean. I, I'll be honest, I never really got to later on, like, you know, when he realised he's, he's dead, that 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 was such the, the tippy point. It was like, well, of course, of course you're going to die in the future. Everyone's going to die. Nobody's going to change that. But, um, but I, I kind of get it. The fact, it it's a bit earlier than it should be, mm. and no one gives a shit. Yeah. But I, I think it's the... It, it, it's, it's the fact that how you're remembered, like... It's like okay, well, keep this up. Everyone, no, no one's gonna really give a shit that you're like that. That you're dead, and and this is what happened, and this would, and this is what will happen if you don't do anything. And even if it is pointing out the mm. obvious, it's like you've probably forgotten in this pursuit of money that we're all gonna end up in the same fucking place. Yeah. I've always found this unsettling, but then I think I find really heavy makeup <laughs> unsettling. Full. Yeah, stop. the makeup is quite heavy here for <laughs> sure. He, he, but you know what I think's really well delivered when he just says um, that was a really lousy thing to do, and it's not done. It's just yeah. it's done really sincerely, really just like yeah. it's just like really it just the look of of like the the one person who I I love. But I I know that 
I, completely destroyed. You know, they're normally fairly plausible because you think, well, in an era of no welfare state, when this was obviously written, the original story, if Bob Cratchit loses his job or doesn't get properly paid, he can't look after his family enough. They can't eat enough. Tiny Tim's health is precarious. He might end up dead. Everyone hates Scrooge anyway. He's not being mourned, and he ends up a miser in a grave. Yeah, I, all of those things I understand. I've never, I've never quite bought that. There's a version of the future where Claire ends up like that. No, that's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? But it is unsettling to see her all made up in this horrible, cold environment. Well, it's kind of like you know, Christmas of Christmas yet to come. That, that's almost nightmare-inducing. That's almost worse than showing me any kind of body horror or something. Yeah, that is so quite showing me somebody with that emptier soul is kind of unsettling. Yeah, I think that's probably, that's probably more unsettling than the Videodrome style stuff. I, yeah. I think it's uh, done over the top anyway to be reflect the nightmare anyway. There's you know with the way the corridors are just not right and they kind of they, yeah. they go narrow or they go like that. You know, it's not. But yeah, yeah that. That, that that's the bit that gets me when you see Claire. It's just like that's a lousy thing to do. It's like, uh, yeah. Then you get the bit where he actually does go to hell in the book. So yeah, he's only just trying to. He's only just seen his name. Mm. And the, where we are, he's just seen his name on the side of the box, and now the flames have licked higher. Yeah, and you see, he actually gives a shit about you know his brother and that. He's like, oh, hey, it's. Mm. Uh, yeah, apparently, Dickens when he wrote um, he wrote this this story, it was um, it was for it was in sort of like a weekly installments thing. It was it was for like. I don't want to say it's, it, was, it was like a weekly. Yeah, I thought it was in a selection up. of short stories. So, so, it? It's not. It's not a long story. So he wrote it on the go. It was literally just like, oh shit. <laughs> you think there'd be six or seven car chases mm. in it then, just so that there was a bit of action in each episode. Now, to, to be fair, you have to go big if you're gonna like confuse like this guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, to be fair, he's just thought he was about to die. So. <laughs> so yeah, I, I really like this. I really like when he. I I, I like I like the difference how he's always like start talking to the audience at the end, as if like you know, is it still theatre? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you at the back of the talk for the whole thing. Just blowing a raspberry on his belly. Yeah, yeah. So the, yeah. Which is grim because he doesn't look particularly clean. <laughs> I've got a bit of a hygiene thing, you know, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's understandable. You probably stink as well, I'd imagine. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so he's uh, just getting in the elevator now. Going to. Uh... Uh, I'm a few we're a few seconds behind. All right. I'm not a schmuck. He's just said. Now yeah. he's grabbed him round the neck. Wait a minute. What time is it? Yeah. Somebody stole my watch. It's a quarter to. Right. He's just thrown him in the elevator. And he's walking in behind him. So, yeah, that should be where we are. That does look naff, doesn't it? That's it. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a good take. It was like, sort of, yeah, I'm... Uh... That slightly stylized take yeah. would be fine. Because it is like theatre. It's no... Yeah. You know, it's no different from going to see Blood Brothers or something like that. It's got, you know, sets that look a little bit like that in their way. In the first half of it, anyway. Uh, but, yeah, I like to take how we sort of... His thing is sort of to say it in front of the audience. To actually sort of talk to the camera. Yeah. And kind of make it what it something like this is supposed to be about. It's like, yeah, I'm going to actually send a heartwarming message to everyone. Well, it's a, it is a bit... I almost hate this term because... But it's a bit meta in that he's actually just standing there explaining the. They were at the end of the show as well. He was looking out the window. What day is it? So we were at the end of a Christmas Carol where he sends that boy off to buy a turkey or whatever it is, um, and he's basically stood there and he's now going to stand there and explain the uh, games. Yeah. More or less. Hey, you know, got Robert Mitchum there. <laughs> About fire him. <laughs> About to referee the snooker. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Polish his balls. <laughs> Don't me to it. He's got her there to polish them for him. People aren't those two on Morris's head. I'd like to have been at that script concert conference. <laughs> Well, obviously, we say to do this. Super glue? No. <laughs> yeah, and he gives the confession and talks to his brother. But she was crying at his funeral. Mm. They, they still, they do actually mm. really love him. Yeah, well, that's what the. Um... But then it's a bit more understandable yeah. when it's it, it's understandable when it's when it's a Bill Murray character rather than an Alistair Sim mm. character. Yeah. That the Scrooge we normally meet is actually unbearable to be around. This guy's cruel and nasty, but he's kind of funny and charming still as well. So in small doses, you'd probably enjoy mm. him. But small doses, I, I, when he's not picking on you. I, I imagine, given that like they're related, and also you see that when he's with um, Claire, yeah. that, that, that there's there's a there, there's a good there's a good man in there. That's what there's they a, see. There's a playfulness and a fun to yeah. him still. Yeah. Which is like obviously cut. an awful lot of this film is around him in the workplace, mm. where he is a pig. But you know, but yeah, you're right. You're right. You do see the transition, and you do see like, okay, well, that's 
that's the same guy, but still the same guy, but just dropped the douchiness. But it was only something I was thinking yeah. about earlier today. As but obviously I knew we were recording this mm. time. I was like, what is the, what is the difference? Is it my favourite version of a Christmas Carol, so to speak? In inverted commas, probably not. But as an interpretation, I just like the fact that we can change, but we don't always transform. Mm. We're better versions of ourselves or worse versions of ourselves. We're not suddenly unrecognisable mm. as the same person. Yeah, yeah. And that's normally the problem with Scrooge. And he, actually, he's normally unbearable before and unbearable mm. after, because you've normally got... The Alistair Sim version was a horrible man and unbearable to be around. And at the end, he's unbelievably over the top and really it's like to be around as well. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, I don't want to be around him either. <laughs> or you could hang around with Bill Murray, who hires women with their tits sort of slightly <laughs> hanging out for dance numbers. You think there's far more entertainment yeah. to be had there. And, and all the champagne for, like, you know, Christmas party in that now. Yeah. And says something positive while well, he was used to be a douche, yeah. Oh, he's calling out directly to her. No. That's where I wish life were that simple. Now, that is a big wish fulfillment, isn't it? Those you can go, oh, well, I've done it all, but I wish I could see X again. Basically, I need to set up my. I, I need to become an awful lot char- more charming. Do a bit of weight, and then buy my own television network. <laughs> all, all, all achieve, all achievable by Christmas Eve. I think you can do it. You got what five days well, to you, go. You got YouTube, so that's your, that's your, <laughs> that's your TV network done. Yeah, <laughs> you need to buy a waistcoat like that. Yeah, I need to get a job at the Stuka, don't I? <laughs> you do. John Virgo <laughs> wants his waistcoats back. And even some of the cheesy ones where you sort of cut back to the, the, the bottom of Richard Boss and he's kind of taken with it. He's like, oh, what the hell? It's like he's reaching out to everyone. Yeah. We should be taping this. <laughs> I've just been bought a video, you ungrateful bastard. <laughs> I mean, what they're doing opening on Christmas Eve anyway. That's cheating. Kids today, you know what taping means? Ask your parents. You imagine if he missed taping it and would have had he had a video and then opened it in the morning. Yeah, exactly. Most profound conversation a member of his family ever had anywhere. It was like, oh shit. Okay. See, if this actually happened, this will be like one of the search things like what on YouTube. Remember when this happened? No one was taping it. Well, like someone's got a tape of it somewhere. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, do you remember when you know that guy had a nightmare? But he went on to you know, it, 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 in this universe, it's got a happy ending. So he goes on, you know, in his job and becomes possibly a beloved figure. But it will be remember when he absolutely lost it. Went through, went through it on national TV. Yeah. And ironically, and, and it would it be a quiz question? What was the what was the in show play that was showing, and it would be like almost yeah. an ironic answer. Like ironically, it was Scrooge, mm. as he went through the similar moment. This goes on a little long. I've always thought that though. I've, I've like had yeah. a little bit enough of it now. But we got to get have time for Claire to get there, mm. and also his eyes are welling up, which is kind of brilliant. I, I think what really 
the thing I really, really like um, is the actual message at the end. It's how he interpolates it into him. He talk, he's talking about that, um, that, that feeling you get by just doing good things. It's like you become, you do become greedy, and it, it and it, it kind of like it just makes the world a better place. By whenever you do a good thing, you feel better, and it yeah. might, and, and, he, and you know, you might seem to say that's selfish in itself, but in the day you interpret these good things, and everyone does it, you end up with a better world because it, it's just a better world. Being everyone's happier, and everyone sort of helps each other out, and it becomes a nicer place to be in. And I think that's an important message to to maintain and we kind of lose that well we you know we we can potentially lose that um sadly but it's important to remember and they don't overplay the the little cratchit thing no. in the same way everybody no i don't think like the first one the romance we, angle it doesn't feel shoehorned in at all well, well it's it, it, it's a whole different thing because it's like is, it, it, is. it kind of it's almost like a miracle it's like a. It gives him a reason to speak. It's more the fact that I never see any connection between Scrooge and uh, tiny the young, the young, a tiny Tim. I couldn't think of the name for a minute. Mm. I, ne- I never see that connection, mm. and then suddenly he's heart. What's a delightful little boy? <laughs> Here, there, there's something there, but at the end, he, yeah, he's upset and he's kind of touched and he's had an experience, but he's not fetishizing in a non-sexual mm. way the child. You know yeah. what I mean? It's 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 another factor. Yeah, but. More importantly than that, he's gonna get some. <laughs> yeah, I think it. I think how it works out, it's not the the fact that it, it's a big thing to him personally, but it's like the first step. Like, oh, I, I've I've already done something good. Like the first, like I've I've cleansed my soul now, and. The kid, the kid who's like not said anything since his dad died, says, says something, and I've already kind of inspired something else, you know. So it's, it, it's just it works like that. Oh, an unsightly dick on the screen there. Yeah. Good <laughs> <laughs> old dick. Doesn't kind of feel like a dick on a film, but then what does a dick on a film look like? He's kind of mm, broad, isn't man. he? Mm. I mean, I think he went on and did like Maverick and things like that. Yeah, I mean, we talked last week. I mean, Charlie mentioned about like uh, some of the scenes, like feeling like Omen, and there was a bit of an Omen esque thing when he's hanging. Which out I'd window. never thought about, but of course, yeah. Charlie thinks in music, so he's thinking, yeah. score this a different way, yeah. and what does it feel like? And he's right. Yeah. And uh, did Donna go on to do Goonies after this, or was it before, or was it Lethal Weapon? No, oh, no, Goonies was mid '80s, so this is '88. So the Goonies was before this. Lethal Weapon, I think, was '87. Yes, so he. So we... this is post both of them. Yeah. But Lethal Weapon Two, I think, was '89. Yes, yeah, so he would have done that. So that next. he would have got. He would have gone from this to Lethal Weapon Two. Yeah. He did all the Lethal Weapons, didn't mm. he? Um. So I suppose his career was still really strong at this stage. He's not doing anything now, is he? He's a, he's an old man. I don't mean any disrespect in saying that, but you wouldn't necessarily expect him no. to be working. He's about eighty-eight. I'm sure he was born in nineteen thirty. But then Ridley Scott doesn't stop fucking working, does he? Well, Ridley Scott's a better him. part of a decade younger. Oh, is he? Is, oh, right. I thought he's. Oh, well, he's he's early. He's eighty-two. Yeah, there's about six years between them. And I, 
Richard Donner might be fit enough to do it. I don't know, but I mean, the fact is, he hasn't done a film since Sixteen Blocks. He's probably earned his money. But fuck it. Seventy-six when his last film mm. came out, and you think, well, why would we expect anyone to still be working at eighty-eight years of age? Mm. Might be a bit of a challenge to get him insurance as well, anyway. But it Van Dyke is still working at ninety-two. Yeah, but how big are his roles, little? Well, I know this is it. Little cameo roles here and there. So. Helm in a big hole. Mind you, there was still talk of Lethal Weapon 5. How old? Robert Redford. <laughs> Robert Redford's about 82 as well, I think. Uh, without looking. Sure. I, th- I think they'll probably... Um, that'll be a, a recast type thing or a reboot of some sort. Like what, Lethal Le- Weapon? Yeah, Next Generation or something. I don't know. I mean, we'll revisit them. We were going to do Lethal Weapon next, but we're both we're all itching to get to Mission Impossible, so we're going to do that first. Whether we then do Lethal Weapon, I don't know. We haven't decided, but it's in the next few, and I'm keen to do it because I've I haven't really watched them that much or for a very long time. So I might, you know, and, and I I do realise watching all this stuff, I quite like Richard Donner, so um, I, I suspect I'll really enjoy them, perhaps in a way I've not before. Mm. Because I, I know I'm not in love with Die Hard. The Die yeah, Hard you, you prefer Lethal Weapon over Die Hard, don't you? Yeah. But what I'm saying is I don't think I appreciate them either of them as much as I possibly could. Yeah. But I remember genuinely like it. But they, they, what I'm saying is they all need revisiting. What I'm also saying is I think I'm more fearful of doing Die Hard, the Die Hard series, because I just don't enjoy most of the entries. There's going to be a sixth film soon. And I think it's like one and a half good films, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Lethal Weapon, I at least remember enjoying them all. Even four, which weren't great, I enjoyed it just fine. Mm. Yeah, you got, you know, two two are good and and the other two are mediocre. But yeah. you say they are watchable, so it's not like it's a hardship to watch. Smooth. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's our Christmas gift to you, listeners. Yeah, we'll just... Yeah, we keep talking out the credits because uh, that just seems like good form. There's about three minutes left on our version, so we'll we'll keep chatting to you for a minute though. But just yeah, what's coming? We we are we try to do the Christmas episodes as bonuses, i.e., you'll get our normal schedule plus an extra. And we were going to do the same with the Patreon. We can fulfil half of that. So this will come out the same weekend as our Superman commentary. But the following week uh, was going to be Age of Ultron. It's actually going to be the bonus episode on The Crow. Becca was still right in saying what was coming next was Age of Ultron because of how we number episodes and everything. But yeah, the next episode from us will be a review of the Brandon Lee film The Crow. Which I'm looking forward to because I have never seen it. Have you not? Have you seen it? I know about it. Have you seen it at the time of recording? You haven't. No, I'm still to watch, but I shall watch it in due course, do not worry. No, no, um, I believe you. I'm just wondering if you were saying I haven't seen it before we've gone into this. I actually thought you watched it the other night, because I did, but I'm going to watch it again. No, I had some technical problems. Oh, uh, okay. Um, okay. Um, I'm majors. Uh, <laughs> I'm so probably if we're arguing over which is the most 80s film of all time, The Crow's got a shout at being the most 90s film of all time. Oh, it looks like the most gothic film of it's all time. very 90s. Very. Yeah. We'll get there. Even <laughs> down to what the villains look like. There are a lot of films like that with, you know, the Gary Oldmans of this world turning up looking rather like that. and In the waistcoats and... Yeah. 
yeah, I think I'll be able to I'll watch that and then I'll have a deeper appreciation for films like Fifth Element, etc., etc. Yeah. And and The Matrix, for example. Yeah, there was influences on all of those, but um, Interview with the Vampires, another one. It's you know, it's period, so it, but it but it looks very nineties. Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt. That was Christmas for this year. Uh, my choice next year. Oh, I'm keen to know what you'll pick, Dave. I'll tell you now. It's Trading Places. Oh, fabulous! So we'll have. Yeah, that that wasn't on that Christmas list. Yeah. I'm surprised. Well, Only yeah. last year it was Trading Places, so. Mm. As with all these things, we reserve the right to change our mind. If I have a blinding idea in 11 months ago, I'm, I'm not going to say, but I promised. But yeah, it was this time 12 months ago when we were recording last year's, I knew my next choice was Trading Places, and a year on it still is. Yes. So that's what it's going to be next year. John Landis. Yeah. Oh, good luck. So the Trading Places and Coming to America franchise is complete. <laughs> it's complete, yeah. Oh, uh, the two major players are going to get younger because obviously we did come into America first. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, Christ, Chris, you're three years from another show. You're only two years away from another show. Two years away from it now. Becca's three years from another Yeah, choice. I'm coming up, bringing up the rear. I've got another three years to choose. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually secret, sir. Do you know, at that point, we might get away with it. It's been long enough. <laughs> well, next year's 50th anniversary and we're all buggering well, off to well, What other choices are there? I mean, what do you mean we're all buggering off to Switzerland? I'm not. can't afford it. <laughs> what, um, what other choices are there? Like, we could do Santa Claus the movie? We could do any Christmas film you want. Should we, should we work through the 20, top 20 list? No. no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean that that list is a travesty. I don't see Jingle the Way in that at all. No, I don't. I don't <laughs> see Chris picking White Christmas or something. No, not unless he thought it was a porn parody or something. <laughs> um, There'll be an so, action edge to it, I'm sure. No, uh, so trading places. It, it could be Jingle the Way. So be prepared. You did That's suggest that the first time. I'm surprised you didn't pick it second last That's year. That's a good film. I think it might be that That's, one. Be, but yeah, uh, yeah. So it's you, me, Nick. Yeah. Uh, we've got loads of time to decide because although I've just chosen it's a year till we actually do it yeah. so it's <laughs> <laughs> a year to buy it so yeah a year to save up your pennies yeah save up my pennies places. for the DVD version of trading I was going to say we'll be sat there next year it'll be a fucking DVD and it'll be second hand and it'll be scratched and it'll be <sighs> it'll probably be on Netflix <laughs> it probably will be on Netflix actually yeah. some of the streaming are available but then, but then you, we would have thought Scrooge would be on Netflix now so well, it was last year. Yeah. They, these things do come and go, and Trading Places has been on there before, but it's not at the moment. Coming to America went off like Netflix and arrived on like Amazon Prime the following mm. week or something. Yeah. Too, so. Anyway, with all the preamble, this has probably been a long enough show. Just for me, I would just like to say Merry Christmas to you all. Um, glad we were able to make this a bonus rather than any instead of edition. So hope you enjoy this and Superman our our, dub, our double dicking of our, <laughs> of our audience. <laughs> um, a double dicking just for you at Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh... I, I, I can't think of a better message now. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll stop it there. <laughs> you know, yeah. folks. Merry Christmas, folks. Merry Christmas. Bye.